Greetings friends and welcome to the episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. Hello everyone once again, it's me, your old pal Cowboy Kevin, joined as I am always in this journey through wrestlers past, present and future, and today we've got a big one on tap, it's uh, Joe Graham, hello. Hello, am I the big one on tap? <laughs> Joe, the big one on tap, Graham. Joe, this is an episode which has been kind of looming on the horizon for quite some time. Today we are talking about WCW legend, recent returnee to the WWE, and constant source of bewilderment and amusement, Bill Goldberg! Yep. What are your thoughts on the man behind the street? That sounds like I'm talking about someone who's like run around naked everywhere for ages but uh, <laughs> the, the man who's known for having a very large undefeated streak what is it you know about Bill Goldberg Bill Goldberg he he's a dad he, <laughs> he really likes to make that one a big deal we're starting right off from the most bat here. important thing Goldberg's a dad dadberg yeah I'm sorry Goldberg but if you're gonna bring your son to like Wrestlemania and then hold him up for the world to see that's gonna be top of your list yeah. of, of features um, he's a dad he has short matches he has a habit of hitting things and making himself bleed lots um <laughs> Everyone, he's, he's like a big monster, isn't he? he mm. He's some kind of massive, I don't know how to explain. He, he's like, a, he's a huge part of, of wrestling, but I don't really get why. He just beats everyone. I don't understand mm. because what a little I've seen of Goldberg, and I feel I've already like hacked the system here. I, I know his secret. I don't know if other wrestling fans have spotted this, but the reason Goldberg always wins he just as his finisher. <laughs> we should just, everyone should do that line. Now, because that's, that's all there is. It's, everyone should do that. I'd do that if I was a wrestler. Just go and do my finisher, win. I've got a streak now. He totally kind of pushes the boundaries of kayfabe if you're going to look at it just like that. Yeah, like, seriously, because everyone's like, oh, Goldberg, he's so amazing. Well, just... Just copy him. Just do what he's doing. Right, before everyone thinks that I am literally the world's worst introductory guide into wrestling podcast host ever, and I'm starting off this episode trying to teach Joe about fucking Goldberg, and she already thinks he's the worst ever. Does he even have any moves other than his finisher? Well, there is context for this, and I think we should explain why it is maybe that you have had this impression of Goldberg. He has unfortunately been one of these anomalies since we started How To Wrestling in the last two years. If you've been someone who's a backer on Patreon and listening to our pay-per-view reviews, and that's been a lot of fun for me and Joe to watch these pay-per-views and see what a new fan and old fan might think of. Me and Goldberg, we go back. <laughs> that's what Kevin's saying here. Specifically to November 2016, when Goldberg was announced as being the cover star of this year's WWE video game 2K17, and then was hastily brought back in a blaze of glory to face against wrestling's final boss and previous topic on this show, Brock Lesnar. The problem with that, I guess, is that the only experience you had at Goldberg before this moment was... No, no, there was there were a couple of experiences I had before this episode. So yeah, I'm familiar with Goldberg from a couple of other matches. So mm. I think the first instance was that awful fucking match <laughs> against Brock Lesnar. 
and they don't they don't do anything. That's the one from WrestleMania 20, folks. So that right. was the uh, yeah where we got to see Steve Austin refereeing. Both men were leaving the company: Bill Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, and. They left their spirit and they left their um, care for wrestling at home that day, I think. Yeah, if you want to hear my torturous rendition of, of why that match was so bad, you can you can <laughs> listen to that on How to Brock Lesnar. But it was it was just trash and it was just awkward and yeah. embarrassing for everyone involved. And that was Kevin being like, this is amazing wrestler, his name's Goldberg and he, he's a monster and he destroys everyone. And here's an amazing... Oh, no, it's a rubbish... Sorry, this one's terrible. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't watch that. Please don't judge Goldberg on this. Yeah, so the first match I showed you of Goldberg ever, I was trying to, like, put an asterisk beside it. I worried if the damage was done, but we did come across Goldberg again, though, when we did about uh, our man Scott Steiner. Yes, and if I remember correctly, that match was pretty good. It was the best match we watched that on that set of matches for Steiner. Yeah, it was him and Scott just bet the shit out of each yeah. other, basically. Basically, <laughs> but when Goldberg was coming back and he came back with all this hype and all this spectacle, he beat Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series in a matter of seconds. Mm. Now, for you as someone who had obviously seen a lot of Lesnar being the world's worst human being and this unbeatable force of nature, what was it about that that maybe because maybe for people who hadn't heard our Survivor Series review, what was it about it that rubbed you the wrong way? I think it was just the fact that. Like, I understand he had a streak, mm. but obviously the streak ended, or else there'd still be going on about it today. Yeah. And if he got... If the streak was ended, then how come he can just do squash matches with Brock Lesnar now, <laughs> 15 years later, not having done any wrestling in that time? I don't know, they just brought him back exactly the same as he apparently was mm. what, 20 years before. And I, d- I think that's lazy writing and lazy booking. Did the reaction to wrestling fans of old surprise you because I remember like at the time people were like I'm watching wrestling again because of this (laughs) it was really interesting so I have some friends on Facebook who are old school wrestling fans but stopped watching recent shows and when Goldberg was announced to come back so many of them started watching again they were like yes Goldberg best wrestler ever in the world of all time but alright if that's what floats your boat but anyway after his big match with Brock Lesnar they all went off him and they were like, yeah, he's shit now. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, did you know of any, notice any new fans on Twitter or on Facebook and stuff like that, what their reaction was to, to Goldberg? I didn't see any any new fans particularly responding all that positively to Goldberg. Because he there was no context. They, yeah. they offhandedly mentioned the streak and they're like, oh, yeah, this is awesome power of brute force. And he'll just destroy everything. But that doesn't mean anything if you're just being told it. But no, you're, I guess you're right. I think this has happened to us before. And I guess it just shows one of the things why WWE often almost take for granted. Like, they're they're never seemingly trying to reach out to new fans. A lot of the time they're trying to reach out to lapsed fans. Because yeah. I remember one of the very first pay-per-views we watched, like, just, like, bits and pieces here and there, was when Sting randomly appeared. And Sting had hadn't been to WWE ever and he finally comes after like 25 years and I was like oh my god Joe it is Sting look there he is and it's like who's this old man yeah. in face face you don't understand it is Sting <laughs> he is doing punches with his left hand and his right hand in alternating ways it is the best ever also there's AJ Styles over there don't worry about him it's not the same It's this is better like <laughs> So today's task 
And I admit off the bat that this is an uphill battle because Joe, um, if I, you know what I'm saying, I think you're a little bit pre-prejudiced against Goldberg. That's fair. Because I think having Goldberg coming in and this recent run he had, I'm not sure if WWE did a particularly good job at explaining no. the, the magic of Bill. They've got like 30 minute promos of just talking about how great Goldberg is. And even like Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar sitting there doing interviews like talking about how great Goldberg is. It's like, okay, I get it. Everyone fucking loves Goldberg. <laughs> just suck him off already. I mean, line up and... Here's a quick... Hang on, hang on. Suck him off. Snip all that out. Oh no, I can't. No way. <laughs> Absolutely not. If we're into oral sex talk in 10 minutes, like, you know, it's a good episode. Fine. <laughs> but I'm saying the full thing, let's all just line up and suck off Goldberg. <laughs> That's so clearly what everyone wants us to do. I mean... No, because let me finish. Okay. They have these half an hour fucking promos about how great he is. And then his matches are 30 seconds. Right. So you're obviously the, the hype up being t- exponentially longer yeah. than the actual product and is. And I, I have that issue generally anyway. Like when people's entrances are way longer. Like Goldberg's fucking entrance is <laughs> 10 minutes. And then the match is 30 seconds. And it, it's just really annoying because then he goes up against people like Kevin Owens and he just squashes them immediately. It's like I'd actually quite like to see a proper match against him so here's what's interesting for me though because i know some people who are long time fans like long time fans and i'll go one further long time fans in the wrestling media worlds names and whatnot who would freely admit that when it comes to watching wrestling they like the entrances they like the finishes they like the promos they like the story but 20 minute wrestling match in between I could take it or leave it. That's not me, by the way. That's not me. But there's some people who prefer the spectacle and oh, the hype and no, the no. pomp. I, and I am someone who loves the spectacle and the hype and the pomp. I love Goldberg's entrance. Mm. I have no issue with that. My issue is with the ratio of different <laughs> content. Right. I, I would like to see some wrestling in my wrestling media, you know? Yeah. So would you say, having you first seen Goldberg... Because a lot of old fans were all saying this. is like when Goldberg came back and he cut his promo. They are like, oh, he's just, it's just like there's no one else like that on the roster. Because he has that kind of, that X factor, that passion, that kind of, that charisma, that raw charisma that a lot of maybe wrestlers don't have anymore because of scripted promos and being brought up in quite a sheltered kind of way. Like Goldberg's like a pure star, a pure supernova. He's just different. Like people were saying, oh, he, he just came off as a star straight away. I mean, for you as a fan, did he come off? Like when he, he, he appeared on Raw and appeared beating uh, Brock, did you buy him as being this big star or was it confusing? I didn't buy him as a big star straight away, no. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's because of the lack of context or if that's because of Goldberg not just, just not impressing me. Yeah. I'm not really sure what it is, but no, it took me a while and it took a fair few more of those 30-minute promo packages things <laughs> for me to kind of... Be like, oh yeah, okay, I kind of see why people are so into him. Those promo packages are fucking awesome. Like, yeah, <laughs> they do. Yeah, they are good. They make me psyched up for Battleground. They can make me psyched up for anything. Like, but they're really annoying when you know nothing about the person. Mm. There's no, yeah. It's interesting because Goldberg was on our list way, way ages ago. 
But then, literally, Goldberg, we were about to do him. Yeah. And then he fucking came back. We were like, oh, well, great, we can't do it now. Yeah, because we couldn't do it in good conscience. Because, I mean, he may be back now, but, I mean, for now, it's it's, it's, a bit of a run is over. Mm. Like, there's been a bit of a line drawn there. So we can kind of look back at it as a whole. But, yeah, at the time, I was like, this looks like it may be, like, huge and massive and is, like, changing the business and changing ratings. So we had to sit back and watch. And that's cooled off a bit. It's going to be interesting to see. So we're going to delve into a little bit of backstory about Goldberg. I will say, this was very challenging to find a list of matches for. And what we have ended up here with is, we watched a bunch of his squashes, a bunch of the original streak of him mowing down guys, just so Joe can kind of get to grips with what the bulk of Bill Goldberg's career actually is. And then we've got kind of four matches which I think either highlight... Goldberg being capable of things we didn't realize or stuff that was strongly recommended to us from fans or little kind of anomalies because as you said the majority of Bill's matches were 30 seconds maybe a minute he'd come in and do his finisher and we can't really just talk about that <laughs> I think it's a really hard one for me to get my head around as to why people would get excited about something that they know how it's going to happen they, they know what's going to happen Mm. You you un, you know if there's a Goldberg match he's going to come in especially if there's a streak I don't know how long the streak was but I'm guessing it was probably longer than like thirty or fifty matches or whatever yeah so like after a certain point would that not just be boring you're like, oh this again well hopefully I'll be able to explain with context what it is about and I think this is an episode where I know sometimes people will kind of get to an episode and think oh you know we get to the tweets and kind of that's it the story's over but honestly I almost feel today with our tweets and our Facebook posts. The episode almost, I think the majority of the explanation, the majority of what it is about Goldberg's Mystique will probably come in that portion of the show. Okay. So, because I know we got a lot of tweets for this one, like yeah. fucking huge amount compared to other right. episodes. I've never seen as well, because it's always me that goes through the tweets and collates them and everything, and I've not seen so far any episode get such a diverse response even wow. the Young Bucks, which was a pretty contentious topic. Yeah, Hogan some people think it's well, like, like destroying wrestling. Yeah, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> some people absolutely hate him. Some people really like him. But no, Goldberg has been far more divisive. It's very interesting. I think you'll come to see that Goldberg has kind of got, he's got a little special place for a lot of wrestling fans. So mm-hmm. uh, let's delve into it. Goldberg is not someone who had a typical entryway into wrestling and we've been talking a lot about WCW wrestlers in this kind of little mini series we've done of WCW themed guys um, Goldberg has got that late 90s entryway point in that Goldberg was a former NFL player so he played American football oh shit yeah that was where Goldberg made his bread and butter oh that's why he does the spear then yeah there you go his American that's the only American football move Truly, uh-huh. we all know how to Goldberg now. Credits. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he was originally uh, a football player. So he did play in the NFL. He played for the Atlanta Falcons. There, I've saved myself a job there. Edit in the right one. I'll edit in Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> so he was there for a while. I looked up a bit about his backstory. Um, you know, being a fucking American football aficionado that I am now because... <laughs> you did one episode I did about an episode the XFL. about the XFL for the Outsider podcast. Not even proper American football. And Billy's dad does American football. And me and Billy know almost all the words to the Glasgow Diamonds mm. American football rap song. Experts. So, experts. But yeah, I find that Goldberg was someone who had a couple of things working against him in his football career. 
first thing he tested positive for that sweet Mary Jane marijuana uh, oh. in a drug test early in his career, which apparently hurt his chances. But the big thing happened was that Goldberg got a massive injury. He tore his abdominal muscle, which is something which is, you know, huge muscle in your body. You tear that, you think about everything you need to do in football. You can't do that really without without those muscles. So Goldberg essentially was into early retirement from his football career. Went to the gym, started working out, started doing some MMA training, started learning some you know basic jujitsu and stuff like that. A couple of WCW guys were working out in the gym, DDP, Sting, and they go, "Holy fuck! Look at this boy over here!" Literally walk over to him and say, do you want to come with us and learn to wrestle? And he was like, yeah, all right. And they brought him over to the power plant. And that is the story of Goldberg getting into wrestling. That's, it's ridiculous how often that happens. Especially like DDP. <laughs> That's basically how he got into it as well. How do you recruit wrestlers? Just just go up to some big buff guy in the gym and be like, just come along. I kind of feel like if we were playing some sort of like game where you, it was like a city management type game where you had to recruit wrestlers, you would just go to strip clubs and talk to bouncers and stand around in gyms looking at people. Kevin, you have just come up with the greatest. <laughs> Holy shit, I need a wrestling management simulation game right now. Well, there were some in the past, actually. We probably should have mentioned this in how to video games. Um, the old SmackDown versus Raw series briefly had a GM mode where you had to book your shows and you know come up with your match types and wow. guys would go off and go to Hollywood if you weren't careful. So are any of those games though, can you go to a, a gym and just hire guys or, no. or a bar and just hire guys? No, you can't unfortunately. And that's really, that's what wrestling's missing. Like the lads down at the performance centre, what they should do once a month, William Regal and the boys should you know pop into the van to start driving around bars looking for yeah. some big boys and girls. Some and bouncers. You want to be a wrestler? <laughs> <laughs> So, Goldberg went to the WCW power plant. You've seen the power plant before, Joe. Ah, was it the Louis Theroux episode where he meets all those horrid wrestlers? Yeah, that's it. He also met Goldberg in that episode as well. Really? He was like, excuse me, are you Mr. Goldberg? Have you got a second? Yeah, I got one second. Spit on the floor. And then he just walked off like... Wow, what a jerk. (laughs) So, but I mean, you think about it though, the power plant, which as we can know from Louis Theroux, is not a nice place. No. It's pretty intense, but it was there for one reason, which is train stars, like, get people ready to go onto TV. Because WCW, as we've seen in past episodes, looking at Hogan and Scott Hall and Mr. Perfect, WCW often relied on bringing in guys from other companies. The power plant was where they started to train up a few of their guys. Goldberg and DDP are the only, like, top stars, really, who train from the ground up in this power plant place. Mm. So a lot of people got sick for no reason, I guess, is what I'm trying to say about the power plant. Wait, what? A lot of people go, oh, remember Louis got sick everywhere because he was made work out so much. Oh, I thought you meant they caught a disease or something. The only disease they caught was competition, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Guess how long Goldberg was training for before they decided to stick him out on the road and do some dark matches. I don't know. Come on, we can do a little bit of Bruce's prices right here. Or should I say fucking uh, Bruno Sammartino's prices rights? I'm guessing it's either really short or really... Like, I'm either going to be surprised that he had like 15 years wrestling under his belt before he went on WCW, or it's going to be like nothing. I think you want to go lower. <laughs> uh, six months? Lower. Oh... Five months? <laughs> okay, maybe a while. One month before he started no! doing dark mansions. Why? What, at the power plant? Yeah. 
One month. One month, and then they started putting him out doing matches. Because he had this look. He was a big fucking dude. He had some, you know, he was a former football star. He had the look. Some guys reckoned that they could do something with him. There was a booker by the name of Kevin Sullivan, who was kind of one of those unsung names in WCW who really knew how to book some characters. And even though there was a lot of chaos in WCW and guys calling their own shots with creative control, there's a few cases of guys really getting a good, smart push and... People, obviously, who mattered early on saw that Goldberg had something. Because, you know, Goldberg originally wanted his name to be his wrestling name. He yeah. didn't want to be Goldberg, because that's just his name. That's boring. He wanted to be the hybrid. The hybrid? The hybrid. What is he a hybrid of? Man and machine? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. He's solar-powered, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, half-electric. But they went to Goldberg, and they said, you can't be the hybrid. And he's like, why is that? He goes, because if you get to the point where we make merchandise of you... We won't be able to trademark it because hybrid is a trademark name. Oh, why is it a trademark name? Well, this hybrid engine, hybrid technology, like hybrid oh, is something that's I used. See. But he was like, surely I'm not going to become someone you're going to make t-shirts out of, though. Like, Aww. No, we are, like, you know. So, <laughs> very little to Goldberg then, really, because like, he had his push straight away. They're like, you're going to be called Goldberg. Um, his tattoo, like he told, he told his great story. I watched the documentary about how did you get your tattoo, Goldberg? You know, the iconic Goldberg tattoo. <laughs> It's just so iconic that um, our artist Dan like had done the artwork and it was like all the polish and shadows and everything was finished. We're all sitting there going, yeah, that's great. Oh shit, his tattoo! <laughs> it's so generic, we totally forgot. But no, the great story of Goldberg's tattoo is he went to a tattoo shop and he didn't like any of the tattoos he saw on the wall. Really that's surprising seeing as they are all exactly like the one that he has. <laughs> you could literally flip open any tattooist book, point at a random page and it would be that exact tattoo. You could be playing a game of drawful and yeah. the name should be and the clue is tattoo. And it would be that. <laughs> Do that like. The only thing that's more obvious is a heart saying mum. Yeah. <laughs> but no the story is he went in, didn't like any of the tattoos he saw on the mm. wall. And then he went up to the uh, tattoo guy and he said I don't like any of the tattoos that are on the wall. And he said, okay, how about this? And he drew that tattoo. And then Goldberg said, I like that tattoo. Can you tattoo that on me? Right. And then he did. So pretty much the exact experience of anyone who's ever had a tattoo. But he was sober though, just as well. So Because I know some people might get tattooed drunk. It's not a thing. Most people don't though, surely. Oh, yeah, it's true. I remember though I lived near a tattoo parlor and had a big sign saying, no, we will not tattoo you drunk. Jesus. <laughs> it's obviously such an issue. Who goes in and picks a tattoo off the wall anyway? Oh, that's what I really want. I want a tattoo that's the same as one on a wall. Yeah, you can stamp it on straight away. It's easier, though. <laughs> not everyone just get the custom ones. I would have thought. I don't know. I've not got a tattoo, but my housemate got a tattoo and she just got it designed for her. Now, do you know what Goldberg's big catchphrase is, Joe? Is it? You're next. You're next or who's next? Who's next? Question mark. You're next. I worked that out, not from any of the matches we watched, but from something we literally watched five minutes before we started recording, which was Goldberg dressed up in a tutu and a little princess crown <laughs> as part of some like TV prank show. He's like Hulu prank something or other. Yeah. yeah and he like is pranking this guy and he just starts shouting you're next to him. That's the reason I know that. Do you know how Goldberg came up with his catchphrase? Did he think what would be an intimidating thing to imply that someone I'm I'm about to fight is next? He did, but you know, 
there was there's that that's that's the machine the wheels are turning mm. that's not getting you the finished product he was at a restaurant and someone said to him you should get a catchphrase bill and he was thinking about it and then the waitress came over this is from bill's mouth by the way i listened to some episodes of his fucking podcast wow it's the second time i've had to do this listen to goldberg's fucking podcast i didn't even know he had a podcast yeah i know it's it yeah, Jesus Christ. Anyway, <laughs> he, he he was at a restaurant and someone said to him, you need a catchphrase, Bill. And the waitress came over and she said, who's next? <laughs> and Bill, always on, all right? Always, always on, on yeah. you know. That's the sign of a real genius is you've got to apply information from random places in life. And then he thought, hang on, you're next. Your next. There you Amazing. go. Perfect. She must have said it in a very threatening manner. <laughs> I guess, like, one of those really aggressive restaurants. Who's next? For ordering food here at Applebee's. <laughs> I am next. Hang on a minute. Goldberg. So, I like, what I like most about this is that Goldberg's, like, I don't want to say he was, like, like babied into wrestling and all that, but when you hear about some of the struggles that some of the wrestlers we've talked yeah, about getting like in. Yeah, it sounds like he fell into it. It was like, lucky, like. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can hear stories of wrestlers who even had this college football career or, you know, got to NFL or whatever. And it wasn't simple point of, you become a wrestler over here. You're going to be a massive star. But Goldberg got earmarked for success, um, which was very fortunate. And I think a lot of people have maybe resented him over the years for it, I guess. The fact that, you know, Bill was only wrestling for a few months and he was on TV being pushed as an ultimate badass. And he was having these very short matches. We watched Bill's first ever televised match. Mm. Bill Goldberg versus Hugh Morris. Yes. Also pronounced humorous, apparently. Yeah, Tony Schiavone, the announcer, doesn't seem to get how puns work. Yeah. You know, he's like, humorous there. (laughs) (laughs) It's not his name. I thought this was funny because I had watched so many, like, I mean, we'd watched all the Goldberg's, you know, WWE matches when he's come back. And he barely got a peep out of you. But Goldberg's first ever match with Hugh Morris, and he did his crazy backflip. Yeah. He got a peep out of you there. It did. I was surprised he could do a backflip. I didn't know he had it in him. It's really cool. What they would do at the start with Goldberg is that, like, his first match, he didn't even have an entrance. It was just, there is Bill Goldberg. Yeah, he was just in the ring, yeah. Like, just introduced as a regular jobber dude here to lose. And, yeah, he would, every time he would come out and wrestle... They would go, oh, Goldberg's adding a new wrinkle to his arsenal. Like this week, you know, <laughs> he's doing the spear, or then he's doing the jackhammer, or he's doing, you know, the backflip. He's slowly learning moves. Yeah, that's kind of what he was gaining experience points mm. and unlocking new moves. Baron Corbin should do that. <laughs> no, what Baron Corbin has done in 40s, he's just maxed out the bear hug and uh, he's made that really that's good that's the problem you gotta, you gotta diversify your XP points you can't just be using Inferno and throwing no. you know fire mana everywhere Baron yeah. come on diversify get some healing spells up in here so we watched a couple more of Goldberg's squashes to get the idea and I thought this is really interesting like them knowing quite early because at the end of Goldberg's squash over Hugh Morris and everyone was like oh my god the guy with no music he won and then he looked over to the camera and he went, that's one. That was cool. Mm. That was cool. And it wasn't like they went over to the microphone like, oh, it's Bill. Bill, how you're so amazing. And he, no, he, no. You, know, you he can't just, even hear him say it. Yeah. You just can tell that's what he's saying. Fucking love that. Yeah, that's cool. So they knew right from then they were going to give him a streak. Pretty much. Like the idea of Goldberg and uh, it was a brainchild of Booker Kevin Sullivan was that we take this guy 
and we would star him right at the bottom. Like, way, way, way at the bottom. Like, he's, you know, fighting on the equivalent of superstars and stuff like that. Opening matches, no entrance, that type of thing. Yeah. And we would just have him win and win and just keep winning. And the idea was simply to do, to build a momentum. Because WCW had so many outside guys. Like, here's Hulk Hogan. Here's Macho Man Randy Savage. Here's all these big names from other companies. Or guys who'd been there forever, like Ric Flair or Sting. They hadn't got new people come around. You had a lot of new fans were watching WCW at the time. So what you had at the same time happening was lots of new people watching WCW. And as they're doing it, every week, this no-name is racking up victories and fucking killing people. Right. And I'll tell you this in wrestling, and we saw it a bit with Braun Strowman. When you've got a guy come out and just kill someone, Mm. there is entertainment in that. Oh, definitely. And in WCW as well, where you didn't have a lot of variety necessarily in the main event, it was fun just to have a different part of the show. Mm. The Booker Kelvin Sullivan had this great analogy, I love it, which is your wrestling show has got to be like a three-ring circus. you got to have your strongman, you got to have the acrobats, you got to have the clowns, you got to have the lion tamer. You have to tickle all the buttons of the audience. They want to see something daring, they want to see something funny, they want to see something... You know, scary. They want to see something really, really short. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it was. It was like a like a palate cleanser. Bill Goldberg was the refreshing lemon sorbet of late '97 WCW. The pickled ginger. From the <laughs> oh sushi yes. Plate. Unlike I've been eating Bill Goldberg wrong all these years until someone pointed out to him and to have it after the Negri, not mm. during the Negri. But there we go. We watched a couple of other ones. We watched him and Glacier, and we watched uh, him and Raven, where he picked up his first championship win. That was a fun one because that was um, he had all these different dudes running in. Yes, and he just speared them all. We've seen some of Goldberg there. That I mean, what he was appeal is. Yeah, no, I get it. There were all these dirty, nasty boys, and uh, they, they were, were dirty, weren't they? They were very dirty and despicable, and they kept coming up behind him, and there was more and more of them, and more of them. And they kept coming. Dirty bearded men in a wrestling ring. I saw them, <laughs> <laughs> and he just took them all out. And it was really impressive each time. He does do a wonderful spear. He was, like, even in these early matches we were watching, you could tell that he was not very experienced. Because there were so many times where it's like, oh, he's going to catch a guy, but he kind of slips and he Mm. drops the guy. Or it's like, oh, he's going to do a backflip and then spear. He's backflipping, has to wait a second because the guy's not there. And then a spear. The match which we watched first, which we took some kind of more in-depth notes for, because we watched a whole bunch of squash matches, just Goldberg killing guys over and over. Seeing Barry Darsaw on How to Wrestling was, for How to Wrestling was a lot of fun. But we decided to watch first a really, really highly requested match, and one which I'm, I questioned the, the, uh, the wisdom of us watching. Goldberg taking on Lord Stephen Regal. That's a name familiar to your ear. It was a face familiar, name less so. Yeah. William yeah. Regal. Looking uh, looking a bit different here, isn't he? I guess, yeah. Very Pete Dunne in the, the purple, maroon yeah. kind of singlet and mm. knee pads. So this is from WCW Nitro in February 98. And I will say as well, with all the matches that we watched here tonight, they were all on the WWE Network and they have a... Uh, a collection for Goldberg called Who's Next and you know, all of his big moments. I did think it was quite interesting they put this one in. This match is there. Yeah. And there were the description of the match, kayfabe breaking it is. It's like, an encounter with William Regal threatens to expose how inexperienced Goldberg is. <laughs> how could you describe this match? I could describe it by reading out my notes. 
in depth here. Slow, cumbersome match. Lots of botches. I think this is my first Regal match. I'm disappointed. Oh. One out of five stars. Oh no! <laughs> I feel really bad because I know loads of people requested we cover this. They're like, yeah, it's a really amazing match. Yeah. I don't think they were saying an amazing match in the way that you'd think, though. Oh, okay. There's a weird story behind this match. This is one of these great moments of wrestling where there's two different, very different tales of the story. Kayfabe or? No, IRL. This oh, is totally okay. shoot. William Regal claims, and he said this on multiple podcasts, and he's also said he's sick to bloody death talking about this. Because <laughs> he says people just come up to him and go, oh man, I love what you did to Bill Goldberg. Because it was shown on a Botchamania once, and also it's you know it's been passed around for years talking about this match. And when you watch this match, what it appears to be, particularly after all those squashes we saw where he just comes in, he bam, he kills a guy, bam, he kills another guy. And then he comes out, here's Regal, you think, bam, he's going to kill Regal. Mm. And instead Regal just starts wrestling him, kicking him in the face, poking him in the eye. Doing his job. Yeah. But people thought what this was, was William Regal, the old veteran, doesn't care for a shoot, that is, doesn't care about this Goldberg guy coming in. He doesn't even know how to wrestle. He doesn't know proper wrestling. So William Regal takes it upon himself to expose and embarrass Goldberg as being not ready for a big push, not ready to be on national TV and not being a good wrestler. That doesn't sound... I mean, I know we've not done William Regal. I think this is the only match of his I've ever watched. But I, I know a little bit about Regal and that doesn't really sound like something he would do. It's fucking evil! Yeah. <laughs> he, like, he sounds like a really nice guy who supports new wrestlers and wants to help them train and stuff. So The only way this seems like it could have happened that way is if this is some sort of alternate timeline where uh, this was happening during the American Revolution. And William Regal, the evil English wrestler, wanting to stop the young upstart. Because yeah. if Goldberg got two over, you know, the the, the Second Continental Congress was going to happen. And we couldn't have that. No. I, yeah, I don't think that's what it is. Even though you can see he kicks Goldberg in the back. He kicks him, like, he gives him a few stiff shots. And I, I, I can't tell when things are stiff or yeah, not. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's one of those matches which, when you've been told about it, it's impossible to watch without kind of trying to be all unsolved mysteries about and figure out what's going on. So what, did Goldberg say that he beat him up for real? Yeah, Goldberg said that Regal purposely made him look stupid and also took liberties with him. The fact that he kicked him in the back and he kicked him in the face and he poked him and all that. That's what he does. I mean, again, I've not watched a huge amount of William Regal, but isn't he a dirty, nasty heel? Pretty much, yeah. Goldberg versus Pete Dunne. Can you fucking imagine how much of a pissy fit he'd throw? He He bit me! He went too close to my face and did a wanker symbol and I was really uncomfortable with that. What the fuck is this? It made me feel like a loser. In fairness though, if we look at all the matches we watched before this, Joe, all the street matches, how many bumps was... Goldberg took maybe two or three bumps. Mm. So he wasn't used to this happening to him. But he's been interviewed in the last couple of years and he still thinks Regal took advantage of him and... Made him look like a fool. I don't sound like they both look like fools in this, I think. It's awful. It's, it's so really, bad. Yeah, it's bad. Like, William Regal himself, and I, from my understanding, he's a bit of a 
what's the term, a ring general. Yeah. He's like super experienced in the ring. Yeah, he's calling what's going to happen in yeah. there. Like, yeah. And yet he botches loads. He falls over at one point, doesn't land properly. He's, there's all this kind of... They both look terrible in this match. The reason that is is because you have Regal who's like, we're going to go over here now. And Goldberg's like, no, I got special William Regal armor on. I can't have any of your moves. I'm yeah. going over here. He was very much like not selling anything. Yeah, and he wasn't cooperating because... Mm. Of, but then again, he wasn't cooperating because he thought, I'm not meant to do this. I'm meant to just... Like, I can't be shown to be grappled to the ground because Goldberg's meant to be a killer. He's meant to have raw ability and just smash through everyone. See, in an instance like that, isn't that not where the general manager has to do their fucking job? Yeah. And be like, actually, Goldberg, <laughs> this is what we want. Or, or if, if that's not the case, if they go, yeah, Goldberg's going to just do his squash match thing again, then they need to tell Regal that. Like, I yeah. don't see that's either of their... I think Goldberg's being a little bit silly, but mm. I kind of also don't feel it's either of their fault. What allegedly happens, and this is what I, this is the version of events that I think did happen, because mm. Regal has talked about this, and honestly, Regal, the position he's in, has no real reason to lie about this sort of thing, you know. But Regal said at the time, he was told as he was going out by the booker and the agent for the match, so the person whose job it is to say, this is the type of match you should have. Right. He said, I want you to have a competitive match with Goldberg. Okay. I think the idea was, is that, because Regal was known as being the ring general and he could, you know, mat wrestle and all that, I think they wanted to tell the story of, even in the instance where someone doesn't go at Goldberg head on and decides to take him down and do, you know, old school wrestling on him, even in that environment, because Goldberg is so great, he will overcome and he will excel. Right. And he did will they, kick ass. Did they not think to maybe tell Goldberg that? Well, what obviously happened was that that was not what Bill was told. Because William Regal went out and said, right, I'm going to have a competitive match. Yeah. So the first thing he did was take Bill down to the ground. And he started, you know, hitting him. And the idea of he will do this rest and stuff. And Goldberg just keeps getting up and looking bewildered. Mm. And like fucking, when you know, he tries to do a move, he stops and they fall over. Yeah. When they go to the back, Bill is fucking pissed. And he's like, what the fuck? You made me look like an asshole out there. And the booker and the agent for the match... We're like, I don't know, Bill. It's just, I don't know what happened out there. It must have been unprofessional. Like, you know. <gasps> that is so. Oh my god. And it's really sad because they. so unprofessional. It is. It's ridiculous. And because William Regal was interviewed on Austin's podcast and he goes, you know, I took the blame for that. It's fine. It's not the first time I've taken the blame for something that wasn't my fault. Oh it probably my won't be the god. last. Just what it was. I think what it was was that. They assume that Regal and Bill will be able to communicate and do this type of match. Yeah, and... they they massively overestimated William Regal's, I guess, ability to just have a great match with literally anyone and also overestimated Goldberg's ability to have that kind of experience. Like, if you are someone who is like, very inexperienced and you go out there with a William Regal, like, you can essentially let them wrestle. Yeah, but you have you know. to let them. Yeah, but if, you, if you're unwilling, no matter how skilled or unskilled yeah. you are, if you don't play a ball... And if Goldberg's going out there with the attitude of, right, I've just got to destroy him, that's my gimmick, then, yeah. of course, that's not going to mesh with William Regal trying to guide him and put on this longer match. At the end of all of this, Bill, who spends this entire match... Pretty much selling like a child who's playing cops and robbers on his birthday and yeah. he's been shot and he's no selling it because it's his fucking birthday and he's had two pieces of cake. <laughs> At the end of this, he comes out looking way worse because yeah. he just looks lost in this yeah. match. So, I mean, I'm kind of glad that we did watch it to show that 
how inexperienced Bill was, because this is February '98, and he, you know, he's been wrestling for over half a year at this point, and he's been put in this big position, and he fucking was awful. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. So, uh, post discussion of that, how many stars would you give it? Still, I give it one star. Still, <laughs> but I come out of that feeling really bad for both Goldberg mm. and. Regal. Yeah. It's not like they, uh, the Brock Lesnar Goldberg match. I just felt fuck you both. Like you didn't even try. Like both of these guys were kind of shat on. I think by yeah. the bookers. It was uh, again something we've seen a couple of times here at WCW in our these episodes we've been chatting about, which is just a little bit of disorganization and people not willing to tell top stars what to do. Yeah, I'd like to give Goldberg the benefit of the doubt here and assume that if they had told him this was the kind of match they wanted to put on. It was going to be a bit longer. There was going to be a bit more to and fro Mm. and that he was going to have to be kind of beaten down a bit first and then make his triumphant victory that he'd have gone along with that and he'd have been able to see, oh yeah, that would look really good for me. But yeah, if you're going into it expecting to do one thing and you're not told that that's not how this is going to go down, you're still going to try and do your job Exactly, yeah. He thought he was, they both thought they were doing the right thing. And really, they both were. Yeah. Because they're both doing what they thought they should be doing. They were doing what they were fucking told to do. Here's the thing about Goldberg, though, is that you can imagine in this political environment at WCW where you had Hogan and you had Hall and Nash, all with creative control, outside guys. You also had, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage. You had Ric Flair. All these guys who had problems with each other, problems protecting their own spot. Everyone was not necessarily out to help everyone in WCW at all times because people were aware that there are only so many spots and a lot of talent there. And here comes Bill Goldberg, six months in, seemingly being earmarked for a big, big run. He had people in his ear quite early on. Really? It was a really funny story of like when Jericho wanted to do, he was meant to do a feud with Goldberg. And the idea was that Goldberg was going to kill him in like two seconds flat. That was it, like splat. And Jericho was like, what if... I, like, antagonized him a bit. And we did some stuff where I, like, you know, really got in Goldberg's head and started making out, you know, that he was a total jabroni. Like, he he brought out, like, a really short dude who looked like Goldberg and Jericho beat him and said, like, oh, I'm, I'm the undisputed king. Like, because I've beaten the man who's undefeated and would come out with signs saying that Goldberg has got one loss in his record against him. The idea being... You know what, you could kill me, Chris Jericho, very easily, mm. but if you kill me on pay-per-view, maybe we'll make a bit of money from yeah. it. And Jericho, in his book, wrote about this, how he got called into Eric Bischoff's office. Mm. And Eric Bischoff was the guy who was running things at WCW. And in the office was Eric Bischoff, Goldberg, and Hulk Hogan. The three of them there are wondering why Chris Jericho was trying to undermine Goldberg and make it hard for him to get over. Because they didn't want him to be involved with lower level guys like Jericho at that point. And they thought that him doing a feud with Jericho would be beneath him. And Goldberg was had these people in his ear telling him this stuff. So I think he got some bad advice maybe at points. So, I mean, if he's hanging out with Hulk Hogan, yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah, not the, not the best person in the world maybe to give you a career advice. I mean... I mean, in some respects, he's very qualified, but yeah. hmm. (laughs) More so. It's a good thing they're mates, because coming up next, or next match we watched was 
Goldberg versus Hulk Hogan for the WCW Championship. Hollywood Hogan. Yeah, so lead of the NWO evil villain Hulk Hogan here on top of the wrestling world. This is 1998 when WCW and WWF were head-to-head trading victories back and forth. It looked like WWF were getting the edge and the advantage with Steve Austin on the roster. But uh, they decided to give this match away, which was the big dream match. Goldberg finally getting a chance against Hogan. But they gave it away on free TV as opposed to pay-per-view. Because okay. they wanted to get the ra- they wanted yeah. to win the ratings that week. The pay-per-view after this, though, was their lowest rated pay-per-view they had that year. Oof. You don't make money for the TV, you make money for the pay-per-views. Yeah. We um, open up with a sign that says, Goldberg is a man. <laughs> We had every variation. We had Goldberg is the man. Goldberg is da man. Mm. Atlanta says Goldberg's the man. And Goldberg is a man. He's a man. I mean, that's it's true. Goldberg is some guy. <laughs> <laughs> so what was interesting about this was that Goldberg was still undefeated in his streak at this point. So he has his US belt that he won off of Raven. He hasn't been beaten. And it's finally come up with him against Hogan. And I think what was big for a lot of people was that you had the momentum and you were all going along with him for the ride. Now, forgive me for making the worst analogy ever, but think about how you have been with Tyler Bate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Tyler Bate Mustache Mountain. You first saw him randomly opening up a WCPW show. Yeah. Okay. Then you saw him as an underdog at the WWE UK tournament. You yeah. saw him win that. Mm-hmm. Now he's fucking kicking ass. You got to see him on NXT. He had a match of the year, a takeover. Yeah. Now, do you feel you've got a special connection with that wrestler because you've seen his progression? Yes, definitely. Any uh-huh. wrestler that I think you see live, especially I think before they get signed to a big, big show. Mm. Like, yes, that's my boy. So it's a different thing here with Goldberg, obviously, because it's, you know, it's not necessarily just live things. But when you have people who are like, you know, when you see him fighting against randomers in 97, like, that guy's going to be a champion. And he gets to that point. But that's different because he's already on the show. And I don't know if I'd be the same way with a wrestler if they were like low card Mm. on WWE and then worked their way up to the top. I mean, I'm sure that still would have, like, that narrative works very well. Yeah. But that that like bond mm. I don't I don't know if that would be the same for see, me see they never do that anymore though do they where they have a guy starting no. at the bottom and he works his way up and because Goldberg they were reserved to start with their praise from the announcers they weren't like he will be the world champion they were no. like god this guy he's got so much ability yeah, and yeah. he's only been wrestling for a few months and man can you imagine what it's like when he gets a title out? They but would... he is saying from the very beginning yes I'm gonna make it <laughs> yeah pretty much so I think fans had that bond with them because they felt they'd been on that journey. And no one in WCW started at the bottom and worked their way up to the top. Yeah. The people who were at the top were people who came in from other companies. <laughs> so Goldberg versus Hulk Hogan in his hometown in Atlanta in oh, front wow. of 60,000 people. Wait, Goldberg's hometown? Yeah, Goldberg's hometown. So these are all the people you know who would have followed him from his football days even. God. Goldberg has got massive chance pretty much this entire match. People going, Goldberg, Goldberg. Where did that come from then? Just people chanting his name. Really? Yeah, I mean, that chanting in that cadence is something that people do with like, you know, uh, baseball and hockey and hmm. all that. See, nowadays it would be Goldberg, Goldberg. Wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be let's go Goldberg Goldberg sucks yeah <laughs> <laughs> everyone has to be divisive if you're a top guy these yep. days 
So his entrance, you mentioned you like his entrance, but this is the first match we watched. We got to see the full Shimoli with yeah. the knock on the door. It's time. All the policemen. What do you think of this? Like, what is it about it that's special? Okay, right. I have a lot of opinions on his entrance. Probably more on his entrance than any other entrance I've seen. Mm. ever wow so okay one I think his entrance is really cool I mm. think it's completely unique I love the way they knock on the door he comes out of his dressing room you've got the big sign on the door saying Goldberg and big star comes down the hallway backstage he's surrounded by all these big security guards who are obviously all wrestlers comes out then onto the stage there's fireworks there's loads of smoke he breathes in the smoke the smoke goes away the smoke comes out of his nose that's Whoa. cool isn't it then there are more fireworks where he punches the air and that's pretty cool and then he goes out into the ring right love it it's really really cool but I have issues I don't think it's a good entrance for him Oh. because he comes out from his dressing room mm-hmm. right now this is a guy who's worked his way from jobber to megastar. Yeah. Why is he coming out of his own dressing room if he's supposed to be this guy who's come from nothing? Oh, because now he he only started getting this entrance once he reached a certain level. So oh, okay. Idea... So he wasn't always coming out from his dressing no, room. When no. did that start then? It would have started a couple of months before this here when he was on the road to being in the main of like the So he had event. his title belt by this point. Yeah, he had his US belt at this point. So, okay, yeah. right. Then I, I redact that comment. But I have other issues. Why is he accompanied by mass security <laughs> if this is literally the one guy in wrestling who could just beat anyone up in 30 seconds flat? This is why I love right? Because sometimes it's security. Other times it's like police. Other what? times it's like state police guys with like fucking hats and shit. Why? <laughs> So that's the other thing, like, he's supposed to be a face, right? Yeah. Why then is he accompanied by all these massive guys? That seems like a very heel entrance to me. It's like, oh, he has to rely on yeah, the police. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Or if he was really that tough, he'd be brave enough to come out on his own. I think it's not for his protection. I think it's kind of the fact that he's the big star. He's coming to the ring. We want to make sure that he's got... Because Goldberg... I'm being kayfabe Kevin here, folks, just so we all know, okay? <laughs> Maybe Goldberg is mysterious, okay? He's known that he's a lone wolf. He doesn't like to hang out with people, so he has his own locker room. That's fine. Because Goldberg has to get into the zone before he goes out and smashes people in his style. Right. He's alone up until the last exact moment he has to go out to the ring. That's why they knock on his door and say, it's time. So he knows, now it's time for me to go out. Now, if Goldberg's going to be going out there to do a squash match, Joe, he can't have no Chris Canyon lying down in front of him, hanging out, going, hey, what's going on? Have to make sure that the area is clear. Clear the area, here comes Goldberg. So the police entourage are there not to protect Goldberg, but to ensure safe passage to the ring, get the job done, talking about taking on Hogan for the championship. So safe passage for Goldberg, though? Yeah, so to make sure he's got a clear shot to the ring. There's no one in the way. Okay. But this is still the guy who could clear a ring of like 10 people in under five seconds. Yeah, but Goldberg don't want to be tearing no hammy again, you know, getting well, more out of the it? way. He's weak. <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, it would make sense to like James Ellsworth to be escorted <laughs> to the ring because he's a fucking puny nothing and he needs all the help he can get. But it, that just doesn't make any sense to me. I just don't, I don't get it. I just think he, it's so he can get, because I mean, 
I w- even though I do like the idea now that you mentioned of Goldberg, like it's time, opens at the door, you just like beat up a load of people to get to the ring, throwing them yeah, out of the I way. Yeah, I like the way of literally, if he comes up to someone and they try and bother him, he literally throws them away or spears someone okay. or kicks them. How about this? Kayfabe Kevin, second attempt. The fact that you even have to have more than one attempt shows The fact that I have to have a moniker, Joe. I have to have a moniker. <laughs> <laughs> so, second attempt. Big prize star, big money athlete. Like a man from the UFC or the boxing or similar combat sports. Mm. He's a commodity, okay? People know that Goldberg's worth money because he's in the big money matches. And you can't be just having Goldberg walking out there when any old Tom, Dick and Harry can come up and shiv him or shank him or throw pee on him or something like that. Okay, but then why not do the same for Hollywood Hulk Hogan, who is literally... Hogan's got the NWO. He's got the NWO on his back. He didn't have him with him there. I guess not. I don't know. It looks cool. Well, like there we go. It the looks Miz cool. is a commodity. How come he doesn't get accompanied by, escorted by security guards? It's ridiculous. I don't like it. It's a cool entrance, but it's not for him. How about the music? Love the music. It's very. I was trying to think what it reminded me of, and I think it reminds me of those like free PC games you used to get in uh, PC Gamer magazine. You know, like the ones? Heroes of Might and Magic. Yeah, 7. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Actually, it sounds like Game of Thrones. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, I always like anytime a wrestler can pull off having non-guitar or rap entrance yeah. music when they it can pull be, off. Yeah. Yeah, it would be shit on anyone else. I mean, I it's a very small list because you've got like maybe uh, you know Undertaker, Mankind, Goldberg, Mister Perfect. Not too many people can pull off that kind of theatrical music, basically. So it's a big, big fight feel here. You've got this electric, electric crowd, and everyone wants to see evil Hulk Hogan at the height of his NWO poisonous get his ass kicked by Goldberg, who's just beating everyone up. And what I always loved about Goldberg was that every time it came to the point where it was like, okay, but now. I mean, surely he's not going to squash this person. Surely he's not going to beat this person. Mm. They would always, always, always find a way that, no, actually, he is going to beat them anyway. Because, I mean, I imagine they wouldn't book him, probably, otherwise. Yeah. I think you had fans who were like, kind of, oh, once it comes up against Hogan, or once it comes up against, you know, a big NWO guy, surely not. I mean, yeah, definitely against Hulk Hogan, who never fucking loses against anyone ever, then yeah, I'd imagine. And I would say as well, with regards to the streak matches, the difficulty is watching back all these matches, knowing that Goldberg is victorious for this entire, like, two-year period, essentially, does make it kind of difficult. But I mean, week to week, I remember, like, hearing people talk about how ridiculous it was, thinking that maybe finally this is the week like he beat Mr. Perfect once in like 30 seconds he squashed him the following week Mr. Perfect comes back though him and Rick Rude aha we've got a plan we've studied the tapes we have found Goldberg he's got an Achilles heel he's got a weakness we will expose it we will beat Goldberg we will humiliate him you were going to have to wait until the main event to find out. It was like, oh my fucking God, they're finally going to stop. He beat me even quicker that time, <laughs> like 10 <laughs> seconds quicker, you know? They did the exact same thing to me when he came back and wrestled recently when he was against <laughs> Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens was doing the most amazing promos. So it genuinely convinced me. I was like, yes. Kevin Owens is going to be the one to take down Goldberg. <laughs> I was convinced. I remember even on our... Because it was WrestleMania, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was um, Roadblock, end of the line. Oh, it was on Roadblock. Yeah. 
But yeah, I remember being absolutely convinced, yep, Kevin Owens. He wouldn't be saying all this if he wasn't going to beat him. He wouldn't be talking all this mess for no reason. Yeah, because like Kevin Owens even addressed the fact that it was like, oh, I know you have your short matches, but I know how to... All I have to do is get you wrestling long enough to tire yourself you. out. So yes, that makes sense. But of course, poor naive Joe forgot that, of course, all that Goldberg has to do to win is do his finisher. So it doesn't really matter how long he's in the ring. Hogan has like one of my favorite quotes ever, which is like he's coming out at the start and the crowd is electric and he's there. Like I just love you Goldberg coming out like all super serious, like head down through his pyro, and then comes Hogan, who's probably five years past his prime, with his little fucking <laughs> dance a, like sell by day. <laughs> he's, he's gone weird and tacky and smelly. It's like right? A proper dad dance. Oh, is like, it our wedding? <laughs> dad, <laughs> please stop. Oh no, Dad brought his big gold dad champion. Championship belt. I'm the world dad heavyweight oh, champion. No, he's playing it like a guitar again. Oh, he tried to spray paint dad on it, but it just looks like <laughs> a big smear now. But he comes out and then he does this big power pose with the legs really far oh, apart. Yeah. And he goes, I am going to kick Bill Goldberg's butt. <laughs> <laughs> he really wants to say ass. And then, no. I um, love it. I mean, I have a real, like, it's funny walking, watching back. It's taken many years, but I do have an appreciation when it's time for him to lose. That go, that Hogan was always this silly pantomime car. I oh, want to totally. see him beat up so bad, Joe. I want to see him get killed. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, I learned a thing from watching all these WCW matches. The announcer Tony Schiavone. Anytime someone like grabs him in a front headlock, he just goes front chancery there. I'm like, what the fuck is he calling that? And then suddenly I remembered. Austin Aries does that and then flips over for his finisher, which is called Last Chancery. So Chancery, obviously, is... I just want to point out that I learned a thing on how to wrestling. Well well done. So Austin Aries, even though you're now a weird, bald, sunglasses man who no longer wrestles, I won't give up the good fight of trying to make you relevant to Joe, and uh, neither should you. Stop eating something. I think we should after he said that Sandy Hook never happened. Oh, wait, yeah, fuck that. Weird ball man eating a banana denying Sandy Hook. I don't want any of that. I'm just going to deny him. He doesn't (laughs) exist anymore. I don't think he ever existed. Hey, man, there's a lot of things out there. Have you read? You know, Austin Aries may not exist, man. You know? (laughs) Hogan makes Goldberg look like a total star. Seriously? Where the fuck was that when we did How to Hulk Hogan? This is like the best match I've ever seen Hogan do. Yeah. He properly sells it. It's he, absolutely fantastic. He makes it like he's seen a ghost when like Goldberg yeah. pushes him down at the start and Hogan's like, what? Which, I noticed that's something he also did against Brock Lesnar. Yes! Is that a thing he did a lot of then? The I mean... Pushing people really hard and they're on the floor and they're like, whoa, I didn't realise how strong he was. Those are the two main ones I could think of where like the person gets right in their face mm. and he shoves them right down like that. You know, you've said before how you've got little things in wrestling that you really like mm. when wrestlers do and it's like having a towel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the things I like is when they do that really big push. Oh yeah. yeah, I love seeing people get really pushed over. Oh man, or you should watch. You, I should show you Hogan versus Triple H because that is basically an entire match based around them pushing each other and then posing. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate dad encounter. So Goldberg, he he is a face in this. Yes, right? Goldberg's a total face. Although I will say Goldberg is in the is a face in the way that Steve Austin was a face at the time. He wasn't like I'm here for each and every one of you. Like he's an just, yeah, he's just there kicking ass. Because that's something I've been struggling to get my head around 
seeing as he's got this streak mm. of like, oh, he's totally undefeated, how does that not naturally then make him a heel? Yeah, it's because he's beaten like he's beaten people that people want to see get beat. So he's he was booked against heels? Mostly against heels, sometimes not always though, you know, he'd be against just random people. I think it was the fact that he was so good, that was it. People just liked that he beat the shit out of people. Because you know? uh, the same vein, you've got people like John Cena, who, mm. again, had reigns of championship titles and yes. completely unbroken, and everyone was just like, yeah, I hate it. Because John, remember, I think we maybe mentioned a bit on, on how to Cena, but the thing that Cena got into a habit of was that his matches, he would get beat up for ages and ages and ages oh, and ages. Oh, and then just win anyway. And then just win and not, you know. I see, but because Goldberg, I guess as well because he keeps it short and sweet. It's not That's <laughs> it, like, this, like psychology-wise, the story of Goldberg, if the kayfabe thing is Goldberg has got more raw ability than anyone ever who entered into the world of wrestling, like yeah. untapped pure skill and just power and athleticism. Like the psychology in the story makes a lot of sense because it's like, yeah, he's just un- like if he hits you with that spear, that's it, and he's so fast that he will just do it straight away. So I mean, that's why he was consistent, other than that regal match. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess because. There's nothing worse than boring, predictable wrestling matches where mm. you know what's going to happen. But it's always worse if they're long. Yeah. At least if... if well, I'm not saying that these matches we've watched are mostly boring, but like at least they are short. Yes, and you can tell the crowd wanted to see what they were seeing. <laughs> yeah, you know? especially in this match. They explode every time he lays a finger on Hogan. Yeah. Like, any time he comes close to him, there's a part where Hogan takes off his weightlifting belt mm. and he, like, he, go, he goes to whip Goldberg and then Goldberg just rips it out of his hand and Hogan's like, ah! Oh! And he, like, does a little dance all around. <laughs> going, <"Whoa!" laughs> oh, so Hulk Hogan, the thing I noticed he was doing in this match, is he was wrestling with a big, a big old belt on. <laughs> yeah. But, so what, it's not his title or what was it? That is his weightlifting belt. What's that? And when you are pumping serious iron, not just any old slag or scrap iron, I'm talking pumping serious iron, you need to wear a weightlifting belt to kind of almost as a brace to give you extra power. So what, did he forget to take it off in the gym or? He would wear it, like that was his thing, he would wear his big weightlifting belt. Is it like protection for your back? Kinda, yeah, it's support. So I guess he needs it if he's gonna fight Goldberg because Hogan's an old man. <laughs> it's like we watched Pumping Iron with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like I've been trying to every time we've wanted to watch a movie for the last year. Every time, I'm like no. Someday, someday, I'm gonna rock a Saturday afternoon with that. Mm. But yeah, the weightlifting belt and Hogan as a heel, he would take it off and he would whip people with it. Yeah, that's what he did here. It looked horrid. Goldberg, like he wouldn't even use it against Hogan though. When he took it, he just threw it away because. <laughs> Goldberg is the belt himself. He is a weapon. <laughs> Goldberg's pouting a lot. I've noticed this throughout all the matches we watch. He's a very pouty man. He puts Roman Reigns' pout to shame. Yeah, man. That's two serious pouts there. But yeah. he does that whole thing where he has his hands on his hips and he's just doing the silent little pout. Little sexy pout. You think it's his nervous face? Because in the later matches and later years, he didn't have that. I think he's trying to be sexy. <laughs> you ever notice, by the way, that um, Goldberg just looks like a, a muscular, bald Seth Rogen? Now you've wow. seen it, you're not going to be able to unsee it. That's really interesting. You were mentioning that you liked Goldberg's look, though, when we were watching some of his matches. Yes, I do. I like his look, which is so funny, because like, before I watched wrestling, that his look is everything I hated about wrestling looks. In what way? That it's just boring. Mm. It's it's him plain black pants, black knee pads. That that's it. Yeah, yeah. But I really like it on him. It's, it works really well. I like that there's no logos, no insignias, nothing. It's yeah. just 
Goldberg. It really that fits that him. character, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, it really works. He hasn't had time to get new gear or branding because he's just here to why, win. Why would he? He's here to win. He's the, he is Goldberg. He doesn't need any extra gimmicks. It's, that's him. I mean, that's another reason why people drew to Goldberg quite a lot is that this was an era where you had, you know, The Rock and Hogan and Steve Austin. Everyone had catchphrases. Everyone was talking at length. Goldberg wasn't there involved with big storylines where he'd be talking up a storm or, you know, oh my God, you slept with my wife and all that. It was just... He was there, he won, and that was what he was there to do. So he didn't do many promos? No, he very few. You were saying at the beginning of the episode that he had like such natural charisma and everything that was a real selling point of his. There's a charisma that he has when... I mean, for instance, you know, when he comes out and he's like screaming, going, Bruh! <laughs> Charismatic man there. No, I'll tell you right now, and I refuse to be told otherwise, when he spears someone and he fucking, bam, he hits him, and he gets up and he just goes, Bruh! And then he sets up for his jackhammer, that finisher, and everyone feel that real fucking pure adrenaline emotion that he's got there. So it's that, that I think I'm more alluding to, not okay. that Goldberg's going to cut an awesome promo, because he never was very good on the mic. But in the ring, he had that intensity. Because you know, you see him saying some people, they're, they're fucking nervous about what they're doing. Mm. You know, It's the same reason why I love Braun Strowman at the moment. When Strowman throws up them arms and goes, <laughs> I feel like this guy's going to rip someone apart. Yeah. I want to see that in wrestling. I want to see people give it the fucking energy <laughs> and the emotion that it fucking deserves. I love here how much that they're putting him over. Hogan hits his leg drop twice and Goldberg manages to kick out of that. And that's, Oh, Hogan's finisher twice in a row and then someone kicks out. Yeah. He's not lined up to let many people do that. No, I bet that's a very short list. In typical WCW fashion, I won't even bother trying to explain the clusterfuck behind this, but Mr. Perfect appears and so does Diamond Dallas Page. It's great. It's just like all the people we've done episodes on. And then Paul Heyman was there and then John Cena was there. <laughs> and a basketball player as well for some reason. <laughs> we get the spear... Crowd erupts. My favourite lines. In, I, I honestly, I got goosebumps watching this again, even though I've seen this a million times. But when Goldberg has Hogan there and Bobby the Brain Heenan goes, as soon as he lifts him up, this whole place is going to explode. And he picks him up and everyone's just throwing like rubbish and toilet paper. Yeah. There's air horns going off. There's not a single person sat down and he hits with a jackhammer. Goldberg, the first undefeated man, 108 and 0, wins the WCW Championship in what many consider to be like his, his biggest match. Maybe not his best, but definitely the biggest feat that he had, the biggest spectacular match. What did you think of Hogan and Goldberg? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a, it was a good, fun, fun match. Short, like. It's interesting but... to see Hogan... Hogan? Hogan! <laughs> Hulk Hogan uh, actually put someone over. Yeah. And yeah, I think... It was interesting that he didn't do this for How to Hulk Hogan because I actually think this is the best match of his I've seen. Yeah, and that he's willing to do something. Yeah, I he's guess. willing to move and get off his feet a bit. I will say, and I think this will lead on to our next match as well, um, I should explain with match selection sometimes, even if a match is particularly illustrative of for one wrestler, if it is also more so that for another wrestler who we've not done... I tend to avoid it because that was one I was seriously considering was showing you. I guess, you. yeah, it probably wouldn't have made sense. It's more that. about Goldberg's yeah. win than it is about Hogan's, you know, benevolence. There's yeah. a word you never <laughs> you fucking hear yourself saying. 
But yeah, Hogan like was happy to do it because Goldberg was, you know, he was the star and Hogan knew he'd win it back off him eventually. Mm-hmm. So, grand. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I gave it three and a half stars. It's a good, good match. Good match. His next match we looked at was by far the most requested match we had for H.G. Goldberg. It was a match as well that was also the most requested match for a previous episode. Uh, so it's Diamond Dallas Page taking on Goldberg for the WCW Championship. Halloween Havoc 1998. Brought to you by Spooky Snickers. Boo! <laughs> the stage was absolutely ridiculous. I love the Halloween Havoc. Um, is it a pay-per-view? It is. It's a series pay-per-view, it's yeah. It's ridiculous. This big inflatable jack-o'-lanterns. <laughs> We, so silly with the big ghoul as well big ghoul yeah we salute you our half inflated dark lord <laughs> so yeah this was one which people really wanted to see us do for DDP because people considered to be one of DDP's best matches everyone considered that it is Goldberg's best match mm. if you can cast your mind back to something that DDP used to do what does he think about DDP that would suit young Bill here well he was very into his practice and laying everything out beforehand and knowing exactly what you were going to do when you went into the ring. So not so good for experienced wrestlers who may be at that point where they're confident enough to just go, let's just freestyle it. Yeah. But for someone like Goldberg, I imagine this was really helpful. Bill, make sure you got everything. Make sure you got the water. Make sure you got a towel. Towel. Make sure you got every spot laid out exactly how we're going to do it. And your heart monitor's on and and it's it's clicking. clicking. (laughs) (laughs) This is really, really awesome because you've got two top baby faces. WCW's two top baby faces essentially taking each other on. DDP had yet to win championship gold at this point. And people were hyping up about this because... Yeah, of course, Goldberg is so dominant and he beats everyone so quickly. But the diamond cutter can come from anywhere. So that was the story of the match, was that it's the diamond cutter versus the spear. I love that. DDP is so energetic. I think I would even enjoy watching him wrestle Baron Corbin. Oh, he'd be a perfect opponent. I think so. Get the time-travelling booking committee over here. But then uh, I guess Shinsuke couldn't bring out the best in him, so maybe I'm completely wrong. What did you think of with these matches we had uh, 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 making kind of a, many appearances on today's episode? Michael Buffer, the ring announcer. Oh yeah, he was a bit random. It seemed really out of place. He doesn't look like he should be involved in wrestling. Do he's you, got a, he's got a good voice. Do you recognise his shtick? I kind of his voice is familiar. His catchphrase. Let's get ready to rumble. Okay, if we say that for two more seconds, we have to pay him fifty dollars. Oh, uh, <laughs> let's get ready to. Party! We're going to start rumbling soon, folks. Make sure you're ready, okay? Yeah? Hit the way he says it is very cool. It is. So cool. Let's get ready. Yeah, it's, it's great. Let's get ready. Let's get ready. Let's get ready to rumble. rumble. Ant and Deck, obviously, are big Buffer fans, I'm assuming. <laughs> Did they pay for the royalties? I don't know, because I know that him and his brother, Bruce, who does the ring announcing for UFC... They own the trademark of that. But I also know that Triple H goes, Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Like he does his whole bit except, let's get ready to rumble. He would go, oh, yeah. let's get ready to suck it. That's so weird that you can trademark a phrase yeah. like that. So how, what, how much were they paid then? I know that for their services, which included the use of the catchphrase... I know WWE released the figure a while ago. They got Buffer to do the Royal Rumble in like 2008. 
and it was like nearly a million dollars. What? It was like eight hundred grand. Just to come in and say to come in and literally go, match. let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. Jeez. Now WCW seemingly had him on retainer because every big match in ninety seven and ninety eight, there he fucking is. He was yeah, he was doing every single match I think we covered this yeah. episode. <laughs> so he's there. Not even pay per views just he's there on Nitro as well. So I think they had a deal worked out with him. And as much money as it probably cost them and sent them even more into the red, you gotta appreciate the fact though that in the nineties, let's get ready to rumble, that's like that was such a huge part of pop culture, you know. <laughs> From boxing, it was in fucking Space Jam, it was like everything, let's get ready to rumble. It was a phrase of the time. Wow. So if you're a WCW fan, you're hooked in with the, the mainstream pop culture, I guess. But yeah. Weird as well, the fact that he does things like listing the physicians in attendance here tonight. <laughs> and he does such a bad job at announcing everyone. Like, the man tonight wearing black and blue. He is known for his determination. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so shit. We get our gloop of the night very, very early on when Goldberg comes out of his dressing room. Oh, I could best describe as a lance made out of saliva came Ugh. javelining out of his mouth. He's so gloopy. <laughs> he's 154 and all going into this, so he's <laughs> still undefeated as a world champion. DDP gets right up in his face. I love that. Like, DDP is so fucking wired up and had 20 cups of coffee. And, like, they've done things as well. It's like he's... DDP has studied his tapes, as he always does. Like, he does a leg... He tries to do a leg sweep on Goldberg. And Goldberg does a big backflip. And then DDP knows he does the backflip, so he does the sweep straight oh, away. Oh, that was very cool. Really, really cool. Again, it's a match which... This is the opposite of... William Regal versus Goldberg yeah. in every way. Yeah. Both men know exactly what they have to do, how to do it. Now, DDP in this match had not the regular jeans. He had the kind of velour bottoms. Velour? Kind of like, it's kind of like a crushed velvet almost. So they're kind of crushed velvet like pants he had on. They were, right. They look like they were, if you rub them the right way, they're going to be very, very comfy indeed. Mm. Just saying, if you're just around the house like DDP's pants, I would... Add that now officially to my canon of trousers I wouldn't mind wearing. Okay. Well, that's good to know. If they're available anywhere. You know? <laughs> they never are. Like, Sweet You know, they, they never are, no. these trousers. It's ridiculous. So you got DDP who keeps coming at Goldberg. like with he He's like hitting him with as many moves as he had gimmicks back in the day. He's throwing him with every move he could think of. And Goldberg, the story is just he's too strong for DDP to take any sort of a foothold in the match. Goldberg knocked himself out briefly at one point. We went to Spear and DDP dived and he hit the post. Oh, that was so ugly. Bill was a little bit loopy here. Now, there's <laughs> a great moment where he signals for the diamond cutter. He's like, right, it's time to do the diamond cutter. Lean it back. Arms out to a T. And you get speared yeah. really, really hard. Yeah. Fucking hell. I can't think of a move I'd like to take less in wrestling than that Spear. Mm. Oh. He wouldn't knock all the wind out of you. Just when people take it where he doesn't knock him to the ground, but he kind of picks them up and then goes down. Mm. They land on their fucking shoulders. Yeah. It's the thing you notice when you watch lots of Goldberg matches on a row that he has to wait for the wrestler not only to stand up, but also move forwards a bit. <laughs> so that when he spears him, he doesn't knock him out of the ring. He's hurt, he's hurt people in the past for I doing it, bet. I'd say. 
So his arm is really, really sore from the mat. So he goes for the jackhammer, but it gets reversed out of nowhere into the diamond cutter. This is great. Both guys get to tell their kind of story. Both guys are getting over here. Now, what was funny about this is that he hits the diamond cutter and Goldberg is completely knocked loopy. So he's crawling over, praying that Bill knows to kick out like... So he goes over to, to crawl over, gets the pin, and like Goldberg kicks out super quick anyway. So DDP, I think, was a little pissed off that he kicked out of his finisher so quickly. He immediately hits the jackhammer. Goldberg wins, brings it up to 155-0, and, oh, and shares some hugs with DDP afterwards. Aww, nice boys. A lot of hype going into this one. People saying this was his best match. Mm, definitely, what, what I did agree. You think? Yeah, easily, easily his best match. Mm. I gave it four out of five stars. Wow. I think it was really entertaining. Yeah, really Would good you match. have expected Goldberg to have this type of a match? No, and not with DDP as well. For whatever reason, I just didn't. I didn't come into this match with high hopes. Now, you know what's interesting about this is that you got to see this match in its entirety and see the finish and enjoy it, and we all had a nice time. Uh, the same could not be said for the paying audience of WCW back in 1998 when this pay-per-view cut off in the middle of this match. Why? Because WCW forgot to tell the pay-per-view company how long their show would be. Wow. That's that... amazing. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the best match of his career. I mean, well, we will do an eventual WCW episode where we just talk about the history of the company, its ups and its downs. But there certainly are recurring themes showing up here about mismanagement and, yeah, fucking hell, tell the company how long your show's going to be. So the next night on Nitro, they were like, fans, we've got some great news. Last night, the pay-per-view cut out. But don't worry, we're going to show you the last half hour in its entirety. For the people who paid money and now it's given away That's for free the next night. Absolutely ridiculous. Fucking shocking. I can imagine how pissed off they'd be. You have to pay like $40 or whatever yeah. as well to watch it. Watch half a pay-per-view. Shit. So, so bad. bad. Coming up next, this is our last match we decided to watch. And again, WCW is featuring prominently here. We decided to watch next Scott Hall taking on Goldberg. And this one had a big old story going into it, including... Goldberg's streak finally ending. Now, there's a lot of chat about who should end Goldberg's streak finally and how it should finally happen. Now, at the time it came for Goldberg's streak to end, which is right at the end of 1998, the booking committee, led by Kevin Nash at the time, had an idea about how that should go about. They figured that Goldberg should lose the championship and his streak at the biggest pay-per-view of the year, Starcade, which is WCW's um, WrestleMania, and the booker Kevin Nash thought it would be a good idea for him to do that against Kevin Nash. Okay. So the person writing the storyline right. decided to have himself beat yeah. Goldberg. That's very WCW, isn't it? Now, this is once again, there's so many, it's so funny because like, I've tried to show as many times as I can Shawn Michaels or AJ Styles as like wrestlers in matches to show Joe. So Joe can get a flavour for how good those guys are. So when we finally do an episode on them, we already know how great they are as wrestlers. Mm. Almost inadvertently, we've had the opposite thing with Kevin Nash, where there's been so many random instances, but Kevin Nash was too lazy. Yeah. Or Kevin Nash was too clever to do that. <laughs> so when we finally do big old sexy Kevin Nash, he'll have some splaining to do. But yeah, he beat Goldberg's streak. Okay. And the way they had that happen was Scott Hall came out in the middle of the match and hit Goldberg with a taser and then Kevin Nash beat him afterwards. Right. Okay. It's a bit... 
bit anticlimactic, really, isn't it? A little bit. I mean, I guess I kind of see the appeal of like, oh, the only thing that can take him down is a stun gun, but. And this is the bad thing is I'm only telling you like a third of the story, but the rest of the story is more about Nash and WCW than Goldberg. So I have to put a full stop oh, on it there for no. now. But yeah, it gets a lot. It's worse than that in in a bigger sense. Oh. The streak ending was not as fun as we thought it would be. You know, when you have a streak, when it finally ends, it, it can't always help but be anticlimactic, I think. I really? Mean, I don't know. What about The Undertaker's streak? Wasn't that, like, one of the biggest moments in wrestling history? That's true. That is true. The match itself was maybe not very fun, but the streak ending was massive. That's yeah. true. I mean, I guess it's just people didn't expect it to happen with Kevin Nash and a fucking stun gun. No, I mean, I think what I'd have done is tried to find an up-and-coming star and booked him in a, quite a long, like tense feud where they don't actually wrestle until mm. a huge pay-per-view and I put them in like a ladder match or something yeah and then have this up and comer just like be him almost by the skin of his teeth yeah not pin him just manage to win in another yeah. way like yeah I mean they I mean there's the problem with WCW is that you know the week after that there was probably another booker and another booker and oh. the people who were originally there to ensure that Goldberg was going to get over in a certain way Unfortunately, that's easy to do when he's lower down the card and he's up and coming. Now he's the main eventer. Who's going to be in his ear? Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff. All the top guys are all wanting to kind of get in on this. Right. And the sad thing is that Goldberg's career never got as good as it did after the streak ended. Well, there's a surprise, isn't it? No one saw that coming. Because, you know, NWO, they had embarrassed him and they'd taken the belt off him. And I showed Joe the next night when Goldberg was going to go and get the NWO. Get them! Get the NWO! They're in that limousine over there, Bill. Go and uh, get them. Use the special pipe in your hands. Can you explain to the people what happened to Bill versus a limousine? It went quite the opposite of how it usually goes in Street Fighter when you beat up a car. So they thought it would be cool if they had a limousine full of all the NWO guys in it. Were they hiding? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Because they were too afraid of too Bill afraid Goldberg. Too of Goldberg. So they like lock themselves in. But Goldberg, he's not one to let his, a car beat him. So they, they give him a special rod to hold in his hand that he can use to like break open the windows so he won't hurt himself. So the first one is really spectacular. It's like... Boosh! Is that what he uses the rod? He uses the rod there, yeah. Okay, right. It's impressive. It definitely looks (laughs) cool. But then he keeps going and he thinks, you know what? I like having broken bones in my hands. I I love really injuring myself and being in pain. Fucking hell. And making bad life decisions. So he thinks, yeah, I'll just, I'll punch this car window and I'll just keep punching it. Oh, it's not, oh, it's not opened. Oh, I have to keep punching it. Oh, I'll look silly. Oh, my hand is broken. Oh, I have oh, to keep, God. I have to keep punching it. When it's he went over sad. and he slammed on the hood of the car and at the end. And there's blood everywhere. fucking water balloon and explodes. And a, a white limo, so it really shows. <laughs> if they had the red limo, it would have been grand. <laughs> So, yeah, um, that was a shame because he basically ended up missing several months. He was off for a bunch of months oh, after that. Like stupid idiot. What did he think was going to happen? And that's the whole thing as well, is that you've got, right, 
we've beaten Goldberg, we've taken the belt off him, we've screwed him over. Because they, like, they showed the footage of him like being, they handcuffed him, they spray-painted his head, they tasered him over and over again. Pretty humiliating. And then he comes for his revenge, and he's gone for a couple of months then. It's, and you lose all the momentum, and people are just like, oh, you just got beat up by the NWO. You can't hang. Does he ever explain why he did it? Because it's so stupid. Like, literally, why? There's no good reason I can think of. I think he got caught up in the moment. Well, he thought people would like him more if he did it for real. I just know. I thought. I think he dropped. As far as I know, he dropped the 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 pipe, oh. or he lost it, and he thought, "I can do this with backhand." Oh no! And it was his forearm that got caught. But he yeah. sma- He did smash it open, but it was when he oh, took yeah. his hand out, it got caught, and he just lacerated his forearm. It's so. horrible. Cause it's really smart, bad. But he does get it open. Yeah. But yeah. It takes a while. Really, really hard. So not not a great period for Goldberg. Uh, so we decided to watch. This is a match which was recommended to me heavily when I was desperately trying to find Scott Hall WCW matches. Uh, so people were like, "Yeah, actually, his ladder match with Goldberg. That's one you should check out." And I thought, "Well, Scott Hall and ladders are are match made in heaven." Goldberg, Scott, ladder. Sorry, stun gun ladder match. Yep. That's the thing. That's the stupidest name for a fucking match I've ever seen in my life. They show a montage at the beginning of this match of all the NWO beating up Goldberg. Like, so fucking horrible. To provide some context. But it's so weird. It's, I know because from when we watched uh, How To Scott Hall, we see some of WCW's uh, experimental video techniques, we'll just say. They're not as um, sure of it as WWF for let's just say. No. So this montage of the NWO beating up Goldberg is like, it's really Twin Peaks. It's so weird. It's like black and white, <laughs> static everywhere. Drowning. Just atmospheric noise. It's so horrible. And it's just then seeing him get humiliated by a bunch of baddies. Like, it's, it's so weird. It is. It's like David Lynch decided to direct an episode of Nitro and it's fucking so troubling. Really? expect to see one of those creepy like guys all in black with a big beard just standing there in the background <laughs> just want Scott Hall to grab the microphone got a light <laughs> <laughs> this is the house <laughs> Scott comes out and he is not looking very peak Scott he's he looks out of it yeah this is like a couple of weeks later they decide hey let's do a alcoholism storyline with Scott Hall and oh, you can tell this shit. is the this genesis is... of it oh no this is uh, <sighs> this is life pre-imitating art I guess for lack of a better term <laughs> Scott says that because Goldberg was beaten so badly by the NWO he won't be fighting tonight will he no so Scott's just gonna he's gonna win by default and he's like yeah raise my arm raise my arm I love this promo so good Scott said that he was more handsome than 10 movie stars. <laughs> Which 10? Any 10. Scott is more handsome than them all. And he also said, Bill Goldberg pissed himself and then he slipped in his own piss and now he's got a boo-boo because he slipped in his own piss. Amazing. <laughs> That's the most evil way. Yeah. He's hurt his knees. No, it's because he pissed himself yeah. and slipped on the piss. It's great because like Goldberg has historically taken himself so seriously. Like mm. when you think of this match with William Regal and how upset he got that he looked like a bit of a doofus. Yeah. And then you've got this ending his career, like well, his streak anyway. Oh. He does not like Scott and really? Kevin. Really? There's a surprise. Because, like, Scott and Kevin have said previously, they're like, they didn't like Goldberg because he took him so seriously. They're like, it's not fucking real. Because like, Goldberg cared about his streak so much. They're like, look, 
Winning and losing doesn't matter. Get over it. But in the in Goldberg's defense, like that is his gimmick. That's his whole gimmick. And yeah. also, you know, you guys are coming off great here. Goldberg literally lost all of his juice in this from from being with these lads. They yeah. made him look so fucking stupid. Yeah. Like they would do things as well. Like Kevin Nash would refer to him as Billy, <laughs> and I love Billy. But obviously, if someone is Bill Goldberg, they don't want to be called Billy on TV. Like no. you know. So he thought they were always trying to make him look stupid. And he didn't work particularly well with them as a result, I guess. Mm. Scott here as well is a solid 3 out of 10 in terms of giving a shit about what's actually going on. Yeah, I think, yeah, 3 is about right. Oh, and also, in case anyone's getting ideas, Stun Gun Ladder Match is the name of my new band, so don't steal it. (laughs) As soon as Goldberg's music hits, Scott just pulls that face. Yeah, because he's saying all that, yeah, I'm just going to win by default. He's not going to come out here. And then the look to camera is like so breaking the fourth wall. It's (laughs) taken directly from the office. (laughs) 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 But I love it as well because not only does he say that Goldberg has slipped and fallen his own piss out of fear, he says that his career is over. He's ended his career like... I love that they would go into the Hall of Fame, like, until, unfortunately, Goldberg just got too afraid to face Scott Hall and slipped in his own piss and suffered a career-ending injury, like. (laughs) Isn't it a weird one? Because he comes out and he's got a big knee brace on him. So Mm -hmm. Goldberg is, like, hurt, is the idea in this match. He's been kind of beaten down. He's not as full 100% self. We also get twirly-whirly fireworks. Yeah, pinwheels. What? Pinwheels. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's what they're called. See, they're not called twirly whirly fireworks, Kevin. They have a name. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say it right now. I've come over from the Republic of Ireland. Where bonfire night doesn't exist. Where bonfire night doesn't exist. Yeah. Okay, sausage rolls and tin foil right, are outlawed. New Year does that? Exist? No, we're ne- fireworks are banned in Ireland. What? Yes. That poor deprived childhood. Do, do you know how we got fireworks when I was a child? We literally had to go to drug dealers. What? They sold fireworks in the autumn. We had to fucking... That's where you got them from. Wow. <laughs> God, fuck this episode. Let's do How to Ireland. How to get fucking fireworks if you live in Ireland. <laughs> with great difficulty. Or live near the border like I did. Oh, I guess you're forgiven not knowing pinwheels. Though. One time I tried to get fireworks. And my parents said, No, you can't take fireworks. Because we'll only get searched by the British soldiers at the border. And they'll give out to us. Yeah. So wow. we didn't get fireworks because we didn't want to have assault rifles pointed at us. Not because we didn't like fun. <laughs> so were the only times you ever saw fireworks growing up on wrestling? Um, I saw them in wrestling and also at the Galway Arts Festival. <laughs> and uh, they, They're allowed there then? You could get pre-approved fireworks. Like a permit. With a permit right. if you were like a big comp, But not, not Joe Schmo on the streets. Like That's why I moved here. I'm like, fucking no crumpets, no fireworks. I'm out of here. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> So Goldberg on one leg just keeps knocking down Scott and he's only got a bum knee so he can't kind of, he can't keep up his offense. He can't go for his big moves. So Scott just starts going straight for the leg and he beats down Goldberg. It's like the first time we see Goldberg kind of selling for most of a match. Yeah. How do you think old Bill did? I think it was good. It was good at selling. Yeah, it was really convincing. Also for the first time ever, I saw Goldberg uh, donned the crimson mask and cut himself up. Doesn't he look so much like Steve Austin, though? I was wondering when this was going to come up. All covered in blood, it really... Suddenly it's like, oh, wow, looks just like him. Because you said earlier something you liked about Bill was that he was plain black trunks, Mm. plain black boots, black knee pads. 
You're sending an awful like you're describing Stone Cold Steve Austin yeah. there as well. It's Goatee, true. bald. But my favourite Stone Cold Steve Austin look was with the blue jorts. The oh, rich, I see, the yeah. Rich jeans. Yeah, I can't really imagine Goldberg in anything other than his yeah. wrestling gear. Whereas imagine Austin. Him in, like, in tights or a singlet, it's so weird. As soon as we're talking about it, I'm imagining Austin like his winter coat for when he goes, <laughs> you know, hunted and stuff and his camouflage hat. So, yeah, it was funny because I remember as a kid. No, I didn't watch a lot of WCW as a kid. I hated it because WWF told me to and I was a good boy. Mm. And I remember like, seeing this, this lad called Goldberg who looked exactly like Steve Austin. And <laughs> it was like, just cheap Steve Austin. How dare you? Like, my friend had WCW action figures. I was like, look at this weird Steve Austin. <laughs> Steve Austin's not got a tattoo on his arm. He's got a map of Texas on his shin. This is all wrong. <laughs> Scott climbs up the ladder. Decides to do an elbow drop off the ladder. And as soon as the announcer is saying, the experience Scott Hall has in ladder matches, the ladder falls down and hits both of them in the fucking face. This match was like watching a snuff movie. There were people getting hurt here for real. Yeah, it was it was scary. Because Goldberg's obviously never been in a ladder match. And last time Scott was in a ladder match, he was obviously in a lot better place than he is here. Because yeah. it is dangerous. Like, he bumps around for Goldberg when he's got the ladder. Goldberg gets the ladder and starts smashing him up with it. And the last thing I want to be getting is a ladder shot from fucking Bill Goldberg. No. Oh, who hates you for real yeah. as well. You've just humiliated him and now he's got a ladder. All right, you know, we were talking earlier about these little things we like in wrestling. You know, little kind of... I like that you're developing your own list. This is, like, really awesome. We should publish our lists on our website. Definitive lists, yeah, like, what, yeah. What things we like in wrestling. This is one that I like, but I hate myself for liking it. <laughs> it's when someone sets up what's meant to be a fairly innocuous, kind of silly spot mm. that messes up and ends up becoming a really sore, horrible... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Because Scott I likes to do, moment, you, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh. Scott thought, oh, I'll jump off the ladder. I'll land Willie first on the ropes and be all, Whoa! wacky, wacky. His eyes will come out of his head like he's a cartoon. Yeah. And instead what happens is Scott gets pushed off the ladder. He puts his foot off onto the rope. He slips. He falls. His legs split open. The ladder falls on top of him and yeah. hits him in the head again. And he's all like tangled up in the rope so he can't even escape. So he's basically crotched himself, yeah. concussed himself, mm-hmm. and done the splits and fallen in an yeah. awkward place. And also trapped himself. That's a lot worse than, oh no, my willy hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Scott Hall. It's so fucking horrible. Scott's buddy Disco Inferno comes out to help Scott, but uh, Goldberg smashes him off the fucking ladder. Scott gets the taser, but the rules of the Sun Gun Ladder match are it's the first person to zap their yeah. opponent. And they use the phrase, zap. Yeah, they do. The zap. Yep. We've been playing This Is The Police art recently, and we always use tasers. That's how it should be. Yeah. You don't need to ever shoot a gun, ever, if you're the police. Just really. zap them. Just zap them with the taser. Is zap the actual, like, preferred verb? What else could you use to describe that process him. <laughs> electrify him I don't know lightning bolt him <laughs> so Scott gets the taser and Goldberg is really cool like he goes to like he goes to zap Goldberg and Goldberg is like you know ducking and diving and he really is quite like he's nimble yeah yeah he's very very nimble he's got incredible balance 
one-legged mind. Stun gun gets knocked out of Scott's hand and it falls to the outside. And my favourite sweet moment, like no one knows, including the announcers, where the stun gun is. And there's like, it sounds like a little boy in the front row, or maybe just a very high-pitched fan, going, Bill! Goldberg! The taser's over here! Get it, Bill! Get it! And then he picks it up and the boy's like, yay! <laughs> you literally saved Goldberg's life. Well done. Without you, he would have been tasered. Where surely. is that fan now? Who saved? <laughs> we need a think piece. And that fan grew up to be Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> so Goldberg has this has the taser, and Goldberg with the taser is a very cocky animal altogether. He just starts spitting everywhere, and he throws it up in the air, and Scott goes to catch it, and he gets speared as he has been. Oh. So cool. And as awful as this match was in terms of like there were so many botches and it was so all over the place at the start, the bit at the end where Scott is laid out and Goldberg has got the taser and he's holding it above his head and everyone's going, yeah! <laughs> the announcers are going, yeah! Tase that man! Zap him! And he zaps him and just goes, <laughs> as the bell rings. I think I screamed out I love wrestling when that moment mm. happened. <laughs> I was wondering fake the taser stuff you get something that makes a buzz and has a light in it mm. and then you good old fashioned pantomime oh okay cool they did a good job like it did oh they yeah. did a very good job it was very convincing did I ever tell you in how to Dudley's about when they were in an electrified cage match in TNA but they forgot to get the gimmicked cage that did all the special effects like buzzes and zaps no so the Dudley boys had to pretend that the cage was electrified, even though it wasn't. So they would run into the cage, and then they would literally, the people would turn off the lights on and on, and the Dudleys would go... Wow. <laughs> that sounds shit. So Batman Bigelow appears at the end, and then we just have, like, everyone gets tased. It's like, Scott Hall zaps them, Scott zaps everyone. This was a weird match. Yeah, weird end to a weird match. <laughs> <laughs> How many stars did you give this thing? I gave it three, three and a half stars out of five. That it bit was, at the end I liked. I mean, it was weird, but I, I did like this match in general. It's, it's interesting just to see Goldberg at a ladder match, really. Out of his comfort zone. Yeah. And that's kind but of he's what, good. Like, yeah. It's, it's, he, he, I think he's he's good in this match. He does. He he sells the fact that he's got one leg. Yeah. You know, he's out of his comfort zone, as we said. Yeah. You know, a lot in this, and he does quite well. I think ladder matches are always a really interesting, like. They're always so interesting to see how well wrestlers... Because they're so unique. Mm. You have to be both energetic and nimble, but careful, but also like innovative. You have to try and do yeah. things that people haven't seen. Because if you're not a high flyer, yeah. you have to think of a different type of match to do. There's one I can't wait to show you whenever we do their episodes, but uh, The Rock and Triple H, neither man a high flyer, but they had like what's considered to be one of the best ladder matches ever because they told this great story yeah. just in the confines of it without doing flips and stuff. It's a challenge, definitely. So, unfortunately for Goldberg, like most people, he didn't flourish as WCW started to fall apart. They did a terrible thing. They decided to turn him heel. Uh, they turned him heel and you can imagine, much like when Austin turned heel, no one wanted to see their hero turn heel. So he was face all through history. All through history. That makes no sense to me. I do not understand. Just like, because he was... Just Goldberg, that was it, you know? He just... I just don't, like, if you're gonna have 
someone with a streak. You should be one to beat them. Like. At one point, then I think there needs to be a point where they they, they get too big for their boots. Like they... Asuka. Yes. Because she's still yeah, undefeated. Yeah, yeah. She's actually past Goldberg's streak at this yeah, point now. That's so cool. Do you see he tweeted her about this? No. Yeah, he was like, "You're awesome. Like, keep it up. Ah! Like, it was really cool." But yeah, because Asuka for it was quite like Goldberg in that she kept winning and yeah, she beat she was everyone. Yeah, she's a face for a while, or kind of face. But then we reached a point where it was like, actually, now she's just getting cocky yeah. and she's believing her hype a bit much. At which point, then the fans want to see them lose the title, and then it's a perfect time to end the streak. I guess they thought it was better to take the belt off and have him chase. Like, I mean, on paper, it sounded great. Like the end, because like, we saw him beat up Raven's guys in that squash. All yeah. the guys ran in. Yeah. On paper, Goldberg against the 3,000 members of the NWO, beating them all up to get back and get the belt. That sounds fun. Unfortunately, he got injured and had you know had to go. And yeah. They brought him back and then they made him heal. And... See, that makes no sense as well. Again, if someone gets injured at that point and you bring them back, I'd have brought them back with some other hard-hitting big star mm. and then had them take on the NWO together. Well, there is a part of Goldberg's career which I'm not going to talk about, which includes him ending the career of a very beloved wrestler with a botch in a match. Oh, I've heard about this. Have you heard? I don't know the details. I don't know how it happened, but I know who it is. So you know we can say here then. Yes, yeah, so I know it's Bret Hart. It's Bret Hart. But I don't know anything else. Yeah, so but Goldberg... Yeah, a few people tweeted in just to say, fucking arsehole, he ruined his career. A lot of people never forgiven Goldberg for that. Had a match, regular old match. They were feuding. They had some good moments in their feuds. Goldberg threw Brett against the ropes, did a super kick in the face, yeah. like as he would normally do, and kicked Brett in the head. And Brett ended up getting incredibly bad concussion, which led to uh, him having serious problems that led to other problems than the line, let's well, say. That doesn't seem very fair to blame Goldberg. He's the one who kicked him in the head. Yeah, but if he did it. If he did it badly. Yeah, he did. But I, 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 my opinion in wrestling is if you're a wrestler, you're signing up for to be injured. Mm. I don't think it's worth blaming people unless they've done something wrong. I think it's the fact that the complications that led from that injury were so... Like, Brett ended up having like a stroke. And, oh, God. You know, Brett was really devastated by us. Like, not... I mean, physically devastated by us. Mm. And it was the fact of Goldberg, you know, was known he would get a bit carried away, you know, hit people a bit hard, believe his hype a little bit, and, you know... Bret Hart's never injured anyone in his entire career. That was always his claim to fame. And oh, God. A lot of people. So you had that. You had the heel turn. You had the injury. So you've got Goldberg having a 1999 that makes people not really want to see Goldberg a whole ton anymore. Seriously. WCW went through a lot of management changes. And Goldberg was kept towards the top but never really reached the heights again. The closest they got was when Vince Russo came in to be the writer. He came up with a cool storyline which was... Russo, who was in charge, hated Goldberg and said, "If you're you're no you're not worth your contract, and if you want to survive in this company, you have to replicate your streak. And as soon as if you can't do your streak again, you're no good to me, and you're fired." So Goldberg had to go out, and every match they would stack the odds against him, and it's like, "Oh shit! If Goldberg loses this match, not only does he lose the streak, but he's his career is over." So that was a cool little story, but. It ended by the time WCW wound up, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't know if that's a very good idea, really. That's the wrestling writing equivalent of mouth to mouth resuscitation. Like it's just uh, a last ditch attempt. Let's just try it again. It's uh, never gonna work. No, because it'll never be as good as the first yeah, time. Yeah, that's the it? thing. I don't understand trying to replicate 
huge success the exact same way. Interesting you should say that. Can replicate success in the exact same way because Goldberg didn't go to WWE, obviously, as soon as WCW closed down. Unlike DDP, he was not willing to take a pay cut. Much like Scott Hall, he had a big guaranteed contract with a lot of money due. So he decided to wait it out. And when his contract was finally free and he was available to be hired, The Rock insisted that WWE hire Goldberg. Wow. Because The Rock was like, he had done pretty much everything. He was leaving for, for Hollywood at that point. He's like, me and Goldberg could have that dream match, mm-hmm. like right there. Goldberg was brought in with all the pomp and circumstance. Here's Goldberg, he's here in the WWE. And fans booed him in his match against The Rock. Wow. People didn't take to him. He was there for a year. Just a year. It started with him and The Rock. It ended with him versus Lesnar. And during that year, it just didn't work, unfortunately. There's one thing we watched, which was in the Elimination Chamber, when Goldberg killed all the people in the Elimination Chamber. Mm. That, for me, was like his lone amazing moment that he had. But the problem that he had, unfortunately, was he was expected to have long matches, which he couldn't do. Yeah. And Vince didn't get Goldberg. Vince didn't like it. Vince is like, well, it's a WCW thing. It won't get over here. They wouldn't have him squash people. He had to have matches. The matches weren't that fun. So, that was it. I did show Joe, just to show how much WWE loved Goldberg back in the day. I showed her, God fucking help me, from No Mercy 1998. I showed her Gilberg versus Tiger Ali C, which was their goof that they did on Goldberg. Uh, thoughts on Gilberg? Well, he's a he's a small Goldberg. <laughs> what is there to say other than that? It's funny. It's a bit mean, I guess. Although the piped-in chants, Gilberg, Gilberg, because they 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 accused WCW of playing Goldberg chants to make it out that he was more over than he was. Oh wow! It's a bit horrible. I mean, <laughs> at least he's not he's not like a you know an easy target in that. Mm. in some respects because he takes himself so seriously I think he is an easy target yeah I I guess I mean I showed Joe as well it sums up the time in WWE him and Goldust backstage that was weird fucking awkward yeah don't put that wig on my head ever again I'm really serious please treat me seriously (laughs) so Goldberg was gone then it was it was sad he had a really uninspired run in WWE. He was not happy there. He didn't like working with Triple H, which is what he spent most of his time feuding with. He did win the championship there, but it was never like it was in... Like They thought after the Attitude Era, this would be the solution to the slump because Austin is gone and The Rock is gone. It wasn't. People didn't buy Goldberg, unfortunately. He also was given a very unfortunate catchphrase at the time, which was, believe the hype implying that there was a lot of hype about Goldberg. <laughs> That's so shit. What a rubbish catchphrase. And so he left. He was gone. Gone for... He was gone, and you know was he gone? He was on that list of gone and will never come back. No way. Vince doesn't like him. Triple H doesn't like him. No one gets him because he's a WCW guy. They'll never understand him. And at that time he was gone, he did like some commentary stuff for MMA. He did NASCAR commentary. He, you know, settled down, had a wife and kids. You know, he was just being a guy, like, and he had his podcast, which I've had to watch, listen to three times now for podcasts. Thanks a lot, Kevin, fucking mm-hmm. doing that to yourself. So I never thought he'd come back. And as we, we talked about at the start of the episode, his return, it was a big shock. 
I'm not sure if having gone through his run now makes his return make any more sense to you. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, if he never really got his time to shine in WWE, I can see why people were so excited to bring him back. It's yeah. Like maybe finally. You know, WWE starting to get good again after the Ashley era ended and it all got a bit awkward and shit for a while. Mm. Maybe now, finally, they'll get it. And especially seeing as they did put him in squash matches. Yeah. As annoying it was for me, new fan Joe, who didn't know the context... I can see why older fans would be into it. But yeah. I'm interested to know what, what you thought of it, seeing as you said you didn't really like Goldberg because he was WCW, and then when he came to WWE and everything. I mean, I was really happy for him because I know like, there was one thing he would always say in his... Because in, he was always interviewed. You know, he's a person who was doing a lot of media and stuff. And he'd always say, never want to go back to wrestling. No need to go back to wrestling. I've, I've, I did everything. I made a lot of money. I'm very happy. That's it. I've done it. And I don't want to go back to WWE because I had a bad time there. But then he get a glint in his eye and he talked about how his son and his wife had never seen him wrestle. Oh. And also as well, even though he won't admit it, I know it's fucking well established that that first run he had in WWE, the one that ended with him and Brock... That he was unhappy with that. And that was the last memory wrestling yeah. fans had of him. That must be horrible if you're going to retire and end your career on a really sour, sour note yeah. like that. Absolutely. Ugh. So I was really happy, not because I was the biggest Goldberg fan in the world. I mean, I always appreciated Goldberg. It's something I really got into, you know, in later years. I got his DVD. I was like, wow, this is really cool how they did it. Just seeing how a different company pushed a guy when guys weren't being pushed like that. And I was happy that he got to come back, A, so that he got to wrestle for his wife and his kid, and mm. as he, in his own words, to be a superhero again. And B, for all the fans who had... Like, if all the wrestling fans... <laughs> don't want to use an analogy that involves all wrestling fans being killed. Oh, wow. <laughs> No, I was trying to be like watching American Horror Story and like if they were ghosts who have unfinished business <laughs> then all the Goldberg fans would be hanging around the arena forever yeah. because they never got to see Goldberg wrap up his career in a satisfying way. Mm. But Goldberg coming back and smashing Brock and Kevin and Brock and then getting smashed by Brock that's kind of like that's how he should have went out. Yeah. That was fans seeing and Vince McMahon getting to see that that was what Goldberg was. Because mm. the whole year he had him before, he didn't know what Goldberg was and why he was popular. And the second he squashed Brock Lesnar in those few seconds, and the world, like, internet blew up about it. Yeah. Vince McMahon and Triple H and WWE were finally able to see there is a reason why people like Goldberg for a reason. He has a fan base. There is an audience for this, and people like this. It was very cathartic, I think, for a lot of wrestling fans to see WWE acknowledge... Not just Goldberg, but another company, WCW, and their star, and it was big for them. And Goldberg is, if I don't mind me saying, he's actually quite a nice dude. Yeah? Like, he does a lot of charity work. Oh, that's nice. And there's all these stories that even when he was a top guy in WCW, that he would, like, buy all these toys and go, like, spend Christmas going to, like, children's hospitals. And he took it really seriously that he was, like, like DDP did as well. He took it very seriously that he was a hero and a role model, and he tried to give back a lot. God, it's weird to think he could have been a John Cena type so easily. Yeah, very more than willing and more than able to. You know, I mean, he did some movies and stuff as well. Like, you really? know, yeah, he was in uh, Universal Soldiers two or three with John Claude Van Damme, wow. and also in Santa's Sleigh Ride, where he plays Santa Claus who goes on a killing spree. What? Fantastic. Oh my god. So I think we. The, the, oh, there's a crossover yeah. with Squirmcast right Seriously. there. Like. <laughs> and another thing I want to mention about Bill, which has to really come up. And it's something that easily gets overlooked. Is that Goldberg is 
I could count on my hand the number of like Jewish wrestlers, ones that became champions and superstars, you know, across the world. And we had a lot of messages from people talking about growing up as a Jewish kid. And if there's a Jewish character on a TV show, generally speaking, they're not the all-conquering, kick-ass superhero. And Goldberg was that for a lot of people. And for to have an athlete and have an entertainer, have someone like that as a role model for a lot of people, I know that meant a lot because there weren't many... In mainstream media, there was not a lot of Jewish athletes who were presented like that or Jewish entertainers or celebrities who were presented in that way. So I think that was really important for a lot of people. And I think that's important to, to recognise, particularly over in America... That, you know, that was something that a lot of people were able to, to cling on to. And that's important for a lot of people. That's really cool. Did, yeah. did he ever talk about that very much? Yeah, he is. He's very old. He's very proud of the fact. Oh, that's really awesome. You know, he's really, really even though he, he didn't want to be called Goldberg, like, is his name. But I think in retrospect, he said he liked having that name because it was very upfront. You know, that, yeah. you know, that was his heritage and he was proud to represent the Jewish people. And I think that's really, really cool. You know, Oh, that's nice. It's a good old Bill. Now... We've talked a lot about Bill's career. We've talked a lot about his streak, his matches. Key to understanding the man and his impact, I think, are your tweets and your Facebook posts. Twelve years, ladies and gentlemen. You never say never, eh? I never thought I'd be in this ring again. So thank you for the humble return. What makes it so special is that my wife and my son are here to see me live for the first time ever. As I said, it's been 12 years. There's a lot of things I miss in this business. The biggest thing that I miss, other than kicking ass, is being a superhero for the kids all around the world. In this day and age, there ain't enough of us. So going around the world, promoting the video game gave me that opportunity. I could go to Germany. I could go to Toronto and I could go up to the kids and I could shake their hands and I could see in their eyes that I was Goldberg. It gave me the opportunity to be that superhero again. But unfortunately, somewhere along the way, I created a little drama back here at WWE. And what that did was it made me think. And I thought long and hard. And I think that maybe it's better left alone. Maybe I keep it in the video game. But then, Brock Lesnar challenged me to a fight. But he didn't have the balls to do it himself. He made Paul Heyman, his fat little stooge, do it for him. And I thought to myself, maybe, 
Maybe I have one more ass kicking left in me. I thought to myself, maybe I have one badass spear left in me. Then I thought to myself, maybe I have one last devastating jackhammer in me. Brock Lesnar. Not only does that mean that you're next, but most importantly, it means, Brock Lesnar, you're last! Firstly, from Gurkuman on Twitter, we have, Goldberg is the number one proof that wrestling is like any other form of acting in that raw talent isn't as important as finding your niche. Mm, I think that's really, really good. Yeah, I mean, people have tried since, uh, notably Ryback, when Ryback was brought onto the scene, and I doubt we'll ever get to do How To Ryback. Ryback. Maybe if Ryback asks for it himself. <laughs> yeah, he'll make up he a fake Patreon account. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, why don't you talk about Ryback? He's really great. I bet he's already been requested, but uh, Don't you see case... uh, how well-reviewed his merchandise is on Amazon? Make it's sure like... you listen to his podcast as part of his research. And uh, buy his energy drinks as well, Aww. and uh, read his book. <laughs> but when Ryback first debuted, they were like squash jobbers, and they started bringing him up, and people chanted Goldberg at him all the time. That's the trouble. He looks too much like yeah. him, and it's way too obvious to do it with someone like Ryback. And I think Goldberg as well not only did he find that niche he found that niche and stuck his fucking flag in yeah. it in that if anyone like knows with Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman who are meant to be killers they're not doing the Goldberg thing they put them straight away into Baron, Braun Strowman is similar though with the whole but he, he beat up jobbers and then went straight on to like yeah. higher guys but they're not doing like the, who is this man like they were doing with Ryback but it's I too think, much like Goldberg I think they could do it though mm. but they've got to do it with someone who is the opposite of Goldberg yeah no more bald white guys no it's going to sound like like a Daniel Bryan <laughs> yeah yeah wrestler. yeah someone really unexpected small who you wouldn't think immediately oh this guy's a killer <laughs> try to that to fucking Vince McMahon like yeah why don't we give a Goldberg streak to a small guy get the fuck out of here <laughs> someone like Tyler Bate I think could pull it off oh man honey unexpectedly very talented oh my oh my indeed WSY on air his 2016 return wasn't his fault. He was booked to strengths by a company relying on nostalgia and past stars to make bank. It's a very good point, I think. In yeah. that, I mean, it it was it worked. I can see how it worked in some respects for older fans. So yeah, I know some people, I, I mentioned, obviously some people really didn't like him returning and thought it was done really badly. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's a really interesting one. Mm. I can kind of see how it was bad in some ways, but in other ways it's done quite well. It's funny, you looked at uh, WWE's, like, kind of their report about their social media and stuff recently. It's their marketing strategy. So it explains about what their target demographic is, what their strategy is for the year, how they're going to spend, like, how they're going to invest in certain parts of their media spend, stuff like that. And they were very much there quite upfront about there are lapsed fans yes. out there. Yeah. And there are people who used to watch wrestling. And WCW were having millions of people watching their show when WCW went out of business that audience never reappears those people just stop watching wrestling so it is very smart I think they've done that with Sting and with Goldberg mm. about trying to reach and be like hey person who doesn't watch wrestling in 20 years fucking watch it now please yeah. because my brother like my brother he is older than me he's in his mid 30s he watched wrestling during the Attitude Era and then he stopped and I think if WWE wants to make money 
Because new fans, there's so much for new fans to enjoy without getting the network. I guess. I, I mean, I, I did find it quite surprising that they didn't have any sort of, from what I could see, any sort of strategy. I agree, sure. Like yeah, that, like yeah, let's try and get these people watching wrestling for the first time. It, but it was very much heavily on how can we get these people who used to watch yeah. watching again. Because they want to go to people like my brother and be like, hey, remember every single episode of Raw you watched when you were growing up? Well, you can watch it now. That's like, I think what their strategy is. So Goldberg, I guess, was the right guy in the right place because when the pre-order stuff came about with him being on 2K17, there was no plan for him to come in. And when he did come in, it was going to be Survivor Series and that's it. And then that turned from Survivor Series into all the way through to WrestleMania. So it obviously worked for them. It was successful in their books if they decided to go from no to okay one night to okay three months and he wins the championship and yeah. main events WrestleMania. So. <laughs> <laughs> Heel turn Shaggy says, Goldberg has three moves less than Cena. He broke his hand punching a car window and ended Bret Hart's career. Cheers, Bill. <laughs> I accept with Goldberg that there are certain scars and wounds that will never heal with wrestling fans. Yeah. And I think if you're someone who grew up not... If you didn't like Goldberg and you watched wrestling back in the late 90s, I don't think you would. there's anything that would change your mind on him now. No, definitely not. Chris Gunn 1991 says he had great intensity and he knew when he came out, regardless of who he was facing, that you were going to see something cool. And I do, yeah, that's it's a very consistent part I think of Goldberg's career in the fact that even though there was short matches, you know exactly what's going to happen. Mm. You're going to see the spear, you're going to see the jackhammer, and yeah. you're going to see Goldberg do a big scream. No, that's not a bad thing though, because no. so much of wrestling is. You know, here's John Cena. I want to see the You Can't See Me, the five knuckle shovel. Here comes the bait dog. You know, I want to see him cock that fist and go oorah up in this house, which contains his yard. You know, so that that, that repetition is good in wrestling, I think. I think, yeah, yeah, especially because it was, there were short matches. So it was like, even if he didn't like it, it was over quickly. It's not going to take a huge amount of your time other than his entrance, obviously. It's funny. uh, It was pointed out to me how many times when Goldberg had come back, you could see father and son or like you know parents and kids in the crowd and they were all hyping it together because it was obvious that the parents had gotten into wrestling because there's back into it because Goldberg had come back and their kids were there and I think that's cool you know because they can come back and it's the same thing that they were watching when they were kids it's Goldberg killing people (laughs) killing you guys says in my mind Goldberg was an illustration of how wrestling was a show more than just a bunch of matches you can't understand Goldberg until you understand wrestling as a story and wrestlers as characters more than just performers oh. because honestly Goldberg wasn't a great wrestler but he was an excellent character who performed flawlessly we've said you know that about a lot of other wrestlers like Rowdy Roddy Piper yeah. not necessarily bell to bell an immaculate wrestler fucking Hulk Hogan come on yeah. like. oh there are a lot of people God. who you know if you judging a Purely based on skill, you could line up like the legends of wrestling and put up against you know the mid card of the current roster, half the guys and girls in NXT, and they probably wouldn't match up no. in terms of pure athleticism and ability and moves and things they can do. But the presentation, the performance—that's what it's all about. Yeah. And I think Goldberg epitomizes that. 
JJ Mason says, as an eight-year-old boy who was betrayed by Hulk Hogan, Goldberg and DDP became my dudes. We needed new heroes. Oh, yeah. That's something that really came across, I think, from reading people's tweets and Facebook posts was how refreshing he was at the time, how it was so needed. You mm. had all this kind of stale old guys all doing the same matches, mm. all doing the same thing. You knew what was going to happen. It was so predictable. And then out of nowhere came this really fresh idea. Because you had the NWO, which had all these older guys in it, and, you know, it was the same people. And honestly, seeing Sting or Ric Flair take those guys on was limited in its appeal because those were older wrestlers who'd been around the block. But you seeing, like, here's this awful faction, and now it's, like, DDP, who's just come up, and Goldberg, who's just come up. Seeing those guys, like, everyone who likes Goldberg seems to like DDP as well. Like, <laughs> it's, it seems to me like those two guys struck a chord with a lot of fans. That's really interesting. Seeing as yeah. I hated Goldberg and loved <laughs> DDP. Coming into them, very yeah. polar opposite opinions. Heel Turn Shaggy says, the only decent thing that Goldberg gave us was Gilberg. <laughs> Not everyone's uh, on board the Goldberg train. Well, as Gilberg would say, you can't be next, but you can be first. <laughs> Dread Bustier says, I'm trying to think of something smarky to say, but all of Goldberg's matches were televised and consumed globally. Good point. True. There's a universal <laughs> appeal in Goldberg, I think. Really, you know? The Bobby Cash says, got so over in 1998 that Hulk Hogan, of all people, suggested to put him over in his hometown for the belt. Just let that sink in for a minute. I, I still, like, it's so funny. So weird. Because, I mean, I, I, I've watched that match many times. I'm well aware of that match. It's mm. such a outlier <laughs> yeah. of everything to do with Hulk Hogan. He's such a dick constantly being like, yeah, it's got to be about me. It's all about me winning Hogan will do that with someone if he thinks that there's money. It's so strange. And that shows you about Goldberg... If Hogan thought there was that much money yeah. in him that he would do that, because Hogan wouldn't do that for Shawn Michaels, no. the Ultimate Warrior, anyone, <laughs> Roddy, Roddy Piper, he wouldn't so do it for strange. any of those guys. But Goldberg, he would. There you go. Gomez Q says, Ain't it odd it was the time justifies The Rock's transphobia, but not Goldberg's intense squash matches. Goldberg may be a 90s relic, but at least he's one whose career highs I can rewatch without being completely embarrassed. Yeah, that's very, very true. Yeah. Very, very true. Hey, at least the, you were making out, though, like The Rock wasn't doing that in, like, 2011. He was. Oh, yeah. Okay, over on Facebook, we got some longer-form answers. People kind of trying to describe, in, in effect, what it was about Goldberg that appealed to them. I have to start off, though, with this hilarious one from Jesse Hart. Starcade 1998, which is where Kevin Nash beat Goldberg for the streak. I was eight years old and was wondering why Scott Hall poking Goldberg in the chest with a black stick could somehow stop the streak. That was the night I learned what a cattle prod was. Oh. <laughs> Lloyd Davis writing here, I grew up in a pretty non-Jewish part of town as a very Jewish young Lloyd in a time where my only real touchstones for positive representation were Tommy from Rugrats and Adam Sandler. So, when I'm watching Raw back in 2003, because I was a WWE kid, and this guy shows up named Goldberg, one of the most Jewish-sending names imaginable, and absolutely decimates The Rock. The Rock, the second he walks into the building, holy shit, he's not wearing a yarmulke, he hasn't got a dreidel on his back, and his tights and his entry stream isn't having a gila, he's just Goldberg, and everyone's chanting his name. 
He just told The Rock that he was next and he speared him. Nobody throws pennies in him at the hallway. Nobody was making World War II jokes at his expense. Nobody was asking what he's going to do on December 25th instead of opening presents. Nobody was asking why he killed Jesus. What they were doing was losing their shit when he stepped out through that smoke, stepped into the ring, laid out the biggest names in this generation of professional wrestling, and that spoke to me a lot as a kid, and it still does. Oh. That really fucking is eloquently put. That's like amazing. Yeah. I was kind of hoping someone could put it into those words. That's incredible. I think it goes, it says a lot as well about like in general how wrestling should deal with minority groups as a, as a not as a gimmick, but yeah. as representation. Like Sami Zayn, I think as yes, well is another again, example of yeah. that. It doesn't need to be your gimmick. He's to... proud of it, but it's not his gimmick. It's yeah. not, you know, it's not part of his, it's part of him as a as a human being but it's not his character yeah it doesn't need to be uh, your beliefs or your background doesn't need to be a parody no. you know it doesn't need to be a silly thing to poke fun at no. or to use to get heat or, or, if, or anything like that it's just it's part of them I love that Harry Green writing here I think it's very important to put Goldberg into context when he first started he did not appear out of nowhere in the main event just like he did on his latest run he started as a jobber against Hugh Morris just another jobber to anyone who's switching over channels. It seems like a regular old squash match that would happen any other day of the week. And that's not what happened though. Goldberg killed the guy. Then the next week, the same thing happened. And the next week, and the next week. And fans started to grow to love Goldberg's unexpected destroying of named talent. His fan base began to grow naturally. The caliber of opponents he would face would start to go up and up and up the card, yet the manner in which he dispatched them would never change. He was a constant in the WCW world of non-constants. He was what you wanted to watch and see on Nitro. Just like on Raw, you wanted to see Steve Austin beat up Vince McMahon every week. You wanted to see Goldberg beat up people in WCW. People couldn't believe what he was doing. Sure, he could beat up Disco Inferno, but surely not Scott Norton. Okay, you can beat up Scott Norton, but surely not Chris Jericho, and on and on it went. I think it's often misunderstood that wrestling fans want what they don't think is going to happen and get swerved. Whereas I believe they want quite the opposite. They want to know exactly what's going to happen and love every single minute of it. Goldberg was that constant in WCW's Wild West. Of course, until Starcade 1998, Kevin Nash, and a stun gun. And uh, lastly, sometimes there's a man. Well, he's the man for this time and this place. He fits right in there, and that's Goldberg in WCW. And even if he's a lazy man, and Goldberg was most certainly that, quite possibly the laziest man in WCW, which would place him high in the running for laziest worldwide. But sometimes there's a man. Sometimes there's a man. I lost my train of thought, but uh, <laughs> I've introduced him enough. <laughs> Elliot writing here, a man who was entirely dependent on a look and booking that worked incredibly well and cemented a legendary status. I think Goldberg definitely, without he got by with a little help from his friends and sometimes his enemies as well, I guess. Joe, after hearing all of that, talking about his career, talking about his impact he had on fans, has the dial changed on Bill Goldberg one bit? No, it has. It honestly has. I appreciate that you know the streak it's not for me i came in too late to really appreciate the impact do you think that's the same for all new is it like not for for a new fans full stop do you think no 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 i mean i definitely enjoyed it and i think if i continued watching more of his early like i'd love to go back and really watch his early matches in consecutive order like, like every single one kind of, yeah, not, maybe yeah. not every single one <laughs> like skip a couple here and there of the worst ones but like i really would like to see him start from nothing mm. and build his way up yeah 
Because, yeah, it's a hard one to kind of get your head around as a new fan who just, oh, here's this guy, and you're just told, yeah, he's just the biggest name in wrestling, and he'll just defeat all of your favourites, and that's just the rule. And it's ridiculous, because all he does is do his finisher. It's hard as well to watch them just in sequence, though, because half of the joy of of the streak was you'd see just that little nugget every yeah. week. Because the whole thing was like, oh, here's Goldberg, what's he going to do? He's going to beat this guy. And yeah, without the context of the show, you even lose a bit of that as well, and I guess. I think also without the the threat of thinking, oh, but surely what if he loses this mm. week? See, I don't think I could ever really fully get it because I've not had that week to week. Oh, will he win this one? But surely he won't. Not this one. Not this it's one. It's funny though, we say that number. You know, We say that he's got a number for his streak. But the problem is that like there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they would just kind of pull the number out of their arse. Really? Like each week he'd come out and he would go from say thirty six and oh and like this week it's like, Oh, there were some live events this weekend, fans, and now it's fifty six and oh but there were no live events with Goldberg on at the weekend, so WCW did inflate the number themselves. Right. They fluffed it a little bit, I guess we should say. Still a significant number, and still something I'm not sure I will ever fully appreciate for myself. I, I mean, I, I, I can comprehend why mm. he's such a big deal to so many wrestling fans. Do you think you're less angered by his run now? Yeah, no, I get it now, and I kind of appreciate it even, I think. I wouldn't. I would be interested to see some of his promos again. Yeah. Knowing now what I do. Yeah, look at like, context now. Whether yeah. or not now I'd be like, oh, like touch that he's finally getting a chance to come back and prove that he can end the way he wanted to yeah. end his career. And that's so sweet about his family never having seen him wrestle when he was like such a big. Yeah, star. and that's what was cool as well. Is like when he said, you know, you know, Brock, not only are you next, you're last, and that was implying <laughs> that he was, you know, drawing a line under it, yeah. like and. Yeah, you know, even though you had some not so nice words to say about him and his boy, like I think I told his boy to die at one point. <laughs> Jesus, I'm sorry. I feel bad about it. I mean, if anything, this is a great plug now for the Patreon episodes <laughs> from. So, you know, no, you can... don't back us, please. Don't back us on Patreon. Don't listen to all the horrible things I had to say about Goldberg and his son. Yeah, you get access to, of course, all them pay per view reviews if you're a backer, and you get to hear Joe's horrid thoughts on Goldberg. Goldberg's return. That was so mean. <laughs> so mean. the big one then is, do you regret any of your thoughts or feelings about Goldberg? Yeah, I regret some of my harsher comments. Probably even some I made at the beginning of this very episode. Oh, it seems you're, yeah, the, the gloves are up a little bit still at the start. Like yeah. you're still battling Joe Graham. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really get it because I didn't think he was a good wrestler and I thought that was kind of all there was to him. But there's mm. clearly, there's a lot more. He's definitely got some kind of innate ability in, in certain respects. I think the thing that Goldberg has is the hardest thing to explain in wrestling yeah. to a non-fan. It's the hardest thing to explain the appeal of. It's when people go, oh, it's the X Factor, it's the indeterminable. And unfortunately, that's what it is. It's that aura, it's the mystique. And I think especially so when his existence contradicts so many of wrestling's kayfabe rules yes. of what makes someone a heel or a face. Yeah. The fact that he is, he's accompanied by these security guys and the police even though he's supposed to be this huge monster who can beat up everyone. Someone help me explain this. Yeah, Please. the fact that he's a face, even though he wins every goddamn time, and that's just what John Cena did. Like, there's so many aspects that you could just pick out and be like, yeah, but that's just what this guy did, and it didn't work. Picture this. If you were a jaded, lapsed wrestling fan, or even somebody who thought wrestling was the stupidest thing ever, and you had grown up on a diet of Hulk Hogan, and, you know, silly cartoon 80s wrestling, and all that stuff... 
and you hate wrestling, you think it's fucking dumb. And probably what you would think, if I was a wrestler, I'd just go out there. Why don't you just beat him up? Why don't you just rip his head off? Why don't you just kill him in two seconds? I think a lot of Goldberg's appeal was that he was able to bring in people who would be like, if I, wrestling should be this. Yeah. Why don't Yeah, why don't you do- just go in and just do his finish yeah, and win? Yeah, that's it. Like, like, okay, well, he's done it. And he's, he's won. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite cool that now, if I'm talking to people who don't know much about wrestling, and occasionally I, you know, speak to someone they'll be like yeah but why don't they just do this why isn't that how wrestling works i can be like well actually that is how wrestling worked in one company for a short amount of time for one wrestler and it really did work but you could never do that again yeah <laughs> he's definitely someone i don't think you can ever have so yeah goldberg, not in this day and age it would be interesting if we'd done goldberg a lot earlier on in this podcast mm. and if i'd had the same change of mind I think that I almost purposely avoided Goldberg early on for that very reason I think it's someone which you need to know the established rules and norms of wrestling characters and before you can appreciate just how weird because that's at the end of the day whether you like him or not you can all admit Goldberg is very unique and very weird as a wrestling yeah. character our next episode is what we're going to announce now. And actually, it's a little bit of a different thing that we're doing. Uh, we don't typically do this, but just the kind of the way things are at the moment, we're going to actually have to announce our next two episodes and the next two themes for those just kind of at once, really. Wow. Yeah, so we're going to ask people to actually send in two different sets of uh, tweets and messages for this and Facebook posts. So there'll be two different hashtags. I know it's not ideal, guys, but that's just the way it is to be at the moment. So our next episode, Joe, is going to be about someone who you have a bit of experience with and really excited to get in and talk a bit about. It's going to be How To Sammy Zayn. Ah! The underdog from the underground, the man who wears a flat paddy cap like no one else and is making having uh, checked stuff inside your coat cool again, is going to be dancing his way into the how-to universe for our next episode. It's going to be really exciting to talk about Sammy's humble beginnings in NXT, his trip on the main roster so far, and maybe look at the handling of the character because Sami Zayn is pretty much... Your entry point, I think. Yeah, his no, he matches. Was. Yeah, he he and Seth Rollins were my two the guys that I kind of followed into wrestling. Yeah, they were the beautiful hunks that I could be like, oh, okay, this is why I'm starting to watch, and then also maybe the reason to stay. So I'm really excited to look back at some of his battles with like things like Neville and Cesaro Samoa from NXT. Joe. Yeah, some of those yeah. great matches that we had uh, a look at. So if you're currently on the Sammy board train, if you like Sammy, like his Twitter handle says, make sure you send us a tweet with a match recommendation, a story, some of the stuff we hear about Sammy behind the scenes. Have you ever met Sammy Zayn? Is he, is he like everyone says he is? Is he literally wrestling's nicest person ever? <laughs> and obviously as well as a Syrian-born Muslim wrestler and there's not a whole ton of those in WWE Sammy's been quite outspoken about issues in the world at large and in wrestling if you're someone who maybe has any sort of first hand experience or he has impacted you or your family or any way like that we would definitely love to hear about your thoughts hashtag how to Sammy Zayn so that's the first episode that we're going to be doing that'll be coming up next completely unrelated to that please don't get them confused don't get them mixed up completely unrelated our next episode after that our next episode after how to Sami Zayn is going to be Joe about a legendary luchador who used Ooh. to wrestle all around the world in Chikara Ring of Honor having battles with people like Kevin Owens and whatnot it's going to be really exciting we're going to talk about how to 
El Generico, the generic luchador, the man who we chant Ole at, unfortunately retired to work with orphans in Mexico and has not been seen in the last few years, but I think it will be a really appropriate time to celebrate his legacy and his career. That will be coming after How To Sami Zayn, so separate to that, okay? That's really interesting. I don't know anything about El Generico. I actually don't know anything about lucha wrestling generally. I think you'll like El Generico. I think you'll think he's a he's a good boy. I think you'll like him well, a lot. I'm excited. Are we going to get to watch good matches with Kevin Owens? Oh man, El Generico has had some absolute incredible wars. And I'll tell you, El Generico, I saw him tagging with Kevin Owens in Ring of Honor way back in 2008 and he blew my mind. There's never been a wrestler quite like El Generico. Well, maybe one or two, but no, no. There's, El Generico is definitely his own wrestler. So, so don't forget our next episode hashtag how to Sami Zayn the episode after that unrelated but still send in your tweets match recommendations and comments how to El Generico so not going to be doing that often it's just the way things have been the way things are working we have to do two in a row next okay 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 that's fine yeah I'm excited I you should be it's going to be really great really really great I can't wait to talk about Sami Zayn oh my god wait till you hear about El Generico I think you'll like him a lot if you like Sami Zayn, you'll love El Generico. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of How To Wrestling. Thank you everyone for your comments, your thoughts, your match recommendations, and definitely as well, just those think pieces about Goldberg and why you either liked him or you hated him. Absolutely one of our most divisive responses yet. I don't know if Joe is totally sold on the man, but you can definitely see a little bit more about him now. Yes. I think that was what we set out to do. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm sold. Yeah. He's a, he's a, yeah. You're Solberg. I'm Solberg. <laughs> no, Solberg spelled S-O-U-L-E-D like in sold out WCW. That's a real evil anti-Goldberg. Oh. Solberg. And as always, if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher, don't forget to subscribe. Go back and check out all our previous episodes. And for match lists, more information, make sure your hub for all your how-to wrestling needs, all previous episodes available, howtowrestling.com. And as always, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. That's at howtowrestling on twitter.com and forward slash howtowrestling on Facebook. Same way as always. Come and check us out. Give us the old like. Just say hi. We love chatting with all of our lovely fans on Twitter and Facebook. And don't forget, of course, for our next two episodes using the hashtag HowToSamiZane and the hashtag HowToElGenerico. If you want to support how Wrestling and get access to exclusive audio goodies, you can just head over to patreon.com forward slash HowToWrestling and there's a variety of rewards for your backing. For $1, you get access to our show notes. For $5, coming up now on two full years, you get all of our pay-per-view reviews. So you will get instant access to 30 episodes, Joe. That's so much stuff that you can get there. All the way back to SummerSlam 2015, all the pay-per-views that have come since, and not just that, you also get access to things like our UK Championship retrospective, or South Paul Regional Wrestling Review, or Snacks Review, and many other live show perspectives, NXT takeovers, holy foley. All that is available for a simple $5 backing. You just want to back for a month and get access to the back catalog? You can. There's no commitment to stay on more than a month. $10 gets you access to our monthly live stream, and if you want to request an episode of How To Wrestling, you can. You you can become a $50 backer and request an episode for us to cover in the future. Could be a wrestler, could be a concept, could be a general thing about wrestling. 
that you want Joe to learn about or for new fans to learn about as well. There's something really massive coming up on the horizon though. We want to make sure we mention it. Mention it at the top of the hour. We'll mention it here again. Live show for the first time ever. How to Wrestling are going to do a live show. It's going to be so much fun. 9th of September, London, King's Place. London Podcast Festival, you can check it out at kingsplace.co.uk and get yourself tickets to see Kevin and Joe as part of the London Podcast Festival, How to Wrestling Live. And it's going to be a really exciting episode because that is the episode where we are going to do How to Silly Gimmicks. We're going to be talking all about the weird, terrible, wonderfully strange wrestling gimmicks that have come by in the years gone past. Not big name gimmicks like The Undertaker, I'm talking about random weird shit like TL Hopper and Bastion Bugger, okay? Bring signs. If you're coming, bring a wrestling sign because we're going to be giving out prizes. We've got stuff we're going to be handing out on the day. So please, if you're a fan of Heights Wrestling, you want to support the show, come see us live because Joe is part of a whole day of wrestling podcast events. If you want to see Adagera Podcasts live, New Generation Project, Tuesday Night Jaw, Gorilla Position, they're all going to be there on the day. If you buy three or more tickets, you get a multi-buy discount, you get 15% off. And that crawls across the whole London Podcast Festival. Are you excited to be part of the London Podcast Festival? I am honoured and terrified. It's going to be fun. And we can say as well, it's a really special event because it's also Joe's birthday that weekend. Yeah, so no pressure. If you're mean to me for my first ever live show, you're also <laughs> ruining my birthday. Have you checked out our unboxing video? If you head over to youtube.com forward slash wrestling, Joe and I did an unboxing of a WrestleCrate and we had so much fun. I will say first and foremost, there are many dull, boring unboxing videos out there in the world, and I can tell you that this was not that. It was so much fun doing it. Adam edit, edit and film it. We had so much fun, and you get 10% off your first ever Wrestle Crate. Head over to WrestleCrate.co.uk. Various crates of various sizes with various amounts of various wrestling goodies. You get 10% off. Use the code How To, the number two, and you get 10% off. Tell them Kevin and Joe sent you. And that's going to do it for this episode of How To Wrestling. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. We'll see you on our next two episodes, How To Sami Zayn and How To El Generico. And we'll see you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya.